It is that time now once again For getting lumped up with my friends It's rock a mic And Rob that you should know And you'll find them here on the rock show This is the Rock Show 101 show. Woo. And okay. today we have a special guest, uh, Sean Harris, and we'll be talking about Iron Maiden. So, all right, Mike, where you, how you want to start this? Hello, everybody. Okay. Well, first of all, I'm going to give Mr. Sean Harris a proper introduction. Oh. We, we have, oh. we have uh, Mr. Sean Harris, the method actor. Mr. Sean Harris, Ooh. the Iron Maiden fanatic. Yeah. Mr. Sean Harris, guitar player. Uh, I Mr. like Sean that. Harris, yeah. most importantly, international bar alumni. Uh, right here. Okay. 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 All right. Uh, so I'm proud to have you on here, man. You're, you know, many times me and you've been lumped up in international or seven B and talking about music, and we're kind of like, you know, we, we, we kind of come from a little bit of opposite ends of the spectrum, a little bit. But we always we have, we've always agreed on 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 a a core group of bands, and what is that? The Ramones, Cheap Trick, Bad Brains. Well, sure. Yeah, um, just, just good know. old good old seventies hard rock, you know. Which, right, uh, right, and, you know. and some hardcore and so and some punk stuff. So you're oh, kind of well, you're, sure, you're eclectic sure. like me, you know. Definitely, sure, definitely. No, no, no we. So wanna... all right, we're gonna we're gonna talk about Iron Maiden here. Now, Iron Maiden's been around for forty five years almost. That's incredible. And yeah, it's it's an incredible it history. Long? Has it been that well, long? My yeah, God. I mean, the, <laughs> technically, technically, they started. Uh, 1975. Yeah, it's 45 years. 75. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah, and and you know, obviously the 80s were their heyday. Okay, uh, but they do have some 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 great stuff beyond that going going into the 90s and and 2000s, and and they're really like it's amazing. Like uh, another guy we've had on the show, friend of ours, Dan Scott. He's a big Iron Maiden fan. Okay. And he went to see them a couple of years ago. I think about two years ago at Barclays. Oh well, and, well I mean, you, so now were you, were you at that show, Sean? Well, you know what? When I when I moved here five years ago in New York, uh, I had a buddy who came up from Richmond, Virginia, my good friend Eric. Uh, but he had tickets, and he said, "Look, I'm coming to New York." It was the first show I saw in New York as a resident. Oh, and I at the garden. At the garden, yeah, and uh, yeah. and they crushed it, honestly. <laughs> so, yeah. yeah, I mean, it was I, a hell of a I've show. Never heard of a yeah. band. I've never heard of a bad Iron Maiden show. Uh, these guys know how to play live. They got it down to a science. And and what, one thing that I've, in my research, and I've kind of always known this, but in my research I learned more, is just really how much of a, a, a family these guys are. You know what? I'm and, glad you said that because, uh, you know, they. I've always had that feeling from these guys. And I'm from a family of uh, of music. You know, my older brother's yeah. a hell of a drummer. And we learn these Iron Maiden songs. But, yeah, something about it, it, it does definitely feel like family, you know? And yeah, I've been, they, they take it very yeah, seriously. I've been there the and, whole and, way and, with them. Yeah. You know, the whole way right. with them. And through all their changes... And uh, and they really have uh, oh for all the lineup changes and we'll get into that but uh, yeah, yeah they had a few lineup changes especially in the it's beginning a fam- yeah it's but, a family band if you will put it that way it, yeah. it, it, it is and and they have you know even a, a pretty good relationship with most of their past members yeah 
and and also they're very very fan oriented and that's that's important especially for a band that's been around for so long but they have a devoted following a cult following of fans sure. that that you know um you know back in the 80s i'll be honest with you i i, I wasn't totally into iron maiden i was kind of like in the closet about it because okay. I, I was i was more of a, a punk rock type well yeah and yeah. And and really, in those days, you you know, the only band that kind of crossed over between punks and and and, and metalheads was Motorhead. All right. Oh, yeah. Sure. And if you, you could bo- both could like them, and you know, but what I love about Iron Maiden, and I even did back then, is now I appreciate the music a lot more. But back then, even was the was the uh, uh, I'm trying to think of the word. The, just the whole look of everything with Eddie. The album covers, the uh, you know, the iconic, iconic. Uh, well, you're of the you're just thing. gonna get me started, yeah. and I wanted to, I yeah. wanted to cover their branding because from the logo to Eddie, yeah. and you can't talk about Iron Maiden without talking about Derek Riggs. He came up with that. We're gonna get. He into came that. up with that, Eddie, and, and just yeah. iconic uh, branding, you know, and yeah, it, yeah, it, yeah. It, the, the, the the imagery. That's it, the word yeah, I can think it, of. The, the imagery of it all was 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 just so incredible. Well, er, everybody uh, has imitated it from Megadeth. Like you had to have yeah. a mascot, you know. But Iron Maiden was maybe, arguably, maybe the first ones to have a mascot. You know, I, 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 yeah, I, you know, I can't think of anybody else who had it that early in the by late 70s. Early that's 80s. what I'm saying. That's what I'm saying. Uh, yeah. 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 But all right. So let's just jump in. As usual, I'm going to give my little backstory here. And, and Sean, since since you are the Iron Maiden uh, encyclopedia, I don't, no, I don't know I want, about that. I, I want you to. Well, <laughs> let's put it this way. You know more than me. So that's why, I, you know, the thing is, it's when I do a rock show, I, you know, I've always said it, I throw myself into it. But when I need a little, uh, I need a little assistant. I got to call somebody that that knows more. And it's all started for Iron Maiden on Christmas Day, nineteen seventy-five, when bass player Steve Harris, who no relation to you, who had just left his last band called Smiler. Smiler, which is Smiler. It's a hilarious. Have you ever heard Smiler? Well, he was also in this thing called Gypsy's Kiss. Which yeah, it, yeah, it, it's yeah. hard. Have you ever heard? No, that? it's hard like? to find, honestly. A smiler, mm. um, but yeah, I, you know, if I could get my hands on a copy, I'd be sitting on gold. But, uh, yeah, but Steve yeah. Harris, um, as you said in '75, um, it's a good place to start because uh, Iron Maiden, it is Steve Harris's baby. He is the it, it, it a is, lot of people, it is, and, and, and of, he, he, he yeah, is the he, only he, original he, member. This mm-hmm. is his brainchild, yeah. you know. Exactly. Yeah, so. And and but he always had a vision. And we're gonna go into this a little deeper very soon. Uh-huh. But he always had a vision of how this band was gonna go. And he was so okay. ambitious with it. This is what yes. I love about like, him. Ambitious and, and really just kind of oh god, almost like uh nonstop, you know, like tw- 24-7, 365. Well, exactly. You know, just, no, and- just just like I, I know when okay. He, you know, it was like, all right, now I'm going to take the next couple of months to write a record. Yeah. Then we'll take two months to record it. Then we'll tour. You know, everything oh, sure. was like all planned out with them, even early on before they had anything out. Well, and and but he rolled he, with the punches every step of the way yeah. because, man, exactly. you know, lineup and, changes and we'll cover that. But, but man, guys, he, can I interrupt you for a second? You want to hear? Yeah, sure. go ahead. You go want, ahead. You want to hear my first Are You Maiden concert? I'd love to. Mm-hmm. I was in Radio City Music Hall with my uncle. 
He fucking was a metalhead. He took me to, he dragged me to this fucking concert with him. Radio City, Quiet Riot opened up, and then there was fucking, it was. Was that the Power Slave tour with the with the pyramids? Pa- yeah, the World Slave, the World Slave tour. The World Slavery tour. World Slavery tour, what a fucking yeah, dude. They, it was they, insane. No, I love it. They, quiet they Riot, barely, you me Quiet Riot, I love it. They, they barely could fit the set in the music. Yeah, it was crazy. Okay. It was it tremendous. Was that, everything was gigantic. It, they said it touched the ceiling or something. Well, yeah. right? that, that's yeah. the fun part about Iron Maiden because we're talking about Steve Harris's ambition, but the uh, but the but just the sheer unadulterated spinal tap of all of it. <laughs> yeah, well, I yeah, mean, no. obviously spinal tap was, was drawn a little bit from oh, that, no, okay? Sure. Uh, right. and, and, a few, and, and a few other bands. But now, they got their name from the novel The Man in the Iron Mask. It, it kind of reminded uh harris of that yeah okay so they 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 use the name of iron man yeah name. no sure but the, the original lineup was a guy named paul day on vocals yeah mm-hmm. paul day steve harris on mm-hmm. bass uh dave sullivan and terry rance were on guitar yeah. mm-hmm. and they had a guy named ron matthews on drums now there would be several lineup changes after playing just their first gig on may 1st 1976 okay yeah. it was a place called saint nick's hall in the pop law. Oh, you've done your homework, of, of Michael. Homework. Yeah. Right, right. Thank yeah. You. Okay. Now Damn. before right after they played that gig, that they ended up hooking up with a, another bar called the Cart and Horses Park. Okay. And it was it's in the Maryland Stratford section in the east end of London. Okay. And it, if you go to this pub today, they still talk about how Iron Maiden had like a residency there. Oh, I'm on. sure they're having getting lumped up and talking about it every day. Oh. Like, uh, <laughs> I, well, saw, I'm sure. I saw you, that shit. You're talking, I was at you're that talking show. real real Guinnesses, real Guinnesses, <laughs> extra alcohol and more. You know? <laughs> yeah. But yeah. <laughs> now Paul Day would be fired not too after not too many gigs because he really didn't have much of a stage charisma okay. to him, a stage presence. But he was replaced by a guy. <laughs> Dennis Wilcock. Now Wilcock was a was was a character. This, he used yeah. to wear yeah. makeup. He was a, he was a huge. He wore a mask. He used to he wear makeup. Right for God's sakes, masks and makeup. He had the sword and, you know, play and blood. And right. he, put, he, he used to have sword. He used to use blood pellets in his mouth, kind of like Gene Simmons he, does. Yeah, he had makeup and, on. Yeah. He had makeup. Yeah. Right, <laughs> right. Now he was you know pretty good front man, better than Day. Okay. okay. And they went with him for a while. Now, he brought in a guitarist named Dave Murray, who would be, you know, part of the Iron Maiden history yeah. for a long time. And I can't Sullivan. Sullivan yeah. and Rance really didn't want him. Okay, right. so they, you know, they were going with kind of like three guitars at that point. Yeah, they they were and they it, wanted to kind of do almost a Skinner heavy metal thing, but three yeah. three guitars, which seems excessive mm-hmm. to me for Iron Maiden. But well, they would do this later on as well. Okay, in the late '80s, they would do it again. Sure. But I think it, I think it's kind of excessive. I think it's a uh, for me. I'm a I'm a little bit of a purist, and we'll get to my favorite combination of guitarists, which you can uh, you can hear that coming. But uh, but right. yeah, but Dave Murray. The thing about Dave Murray is he was so good at a young age. He was like yeah. you know every town has that guy. Where it's like this is yeah. the guy, this is a guitar player, and he was kind of the Eddie Van Halen of, uh, or or just a, a shredder, 
you know um i mean he he cut his teeth on rainbow and uh mm-hmm. and 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 jethro toll for that matter but uh he was just a, a a killer guitar player and so everybody noticed him so definitely definitely and you know they, they once he got in the band i think they realized what they had so yeah. they they went with those three guys but the problem was um after they brought him in it was an issue between Sullivan and, and Rance and Murray. Okay, yeah. So they, they actually ended up breaking up for a short time, even though they were starting to have a devoted following at the Cart and Horses. Right, but, but then, right. They, well, they, and then Dave left the band. Well, <laughs> yeah, well, the band would get together again in 77. Okay, there would be a few months they were out of commission. Okay. But Murray, Murray and Harris got together and they recruited a guitarist named Bob Sawyer. Now, Sawyer didn't last too long. Um, he was uh, kind of a, a bit of a show-off. Like, he used to play the guitar with his teeth. Oh, a little showboat. Okay. Yeah. All right. Yeah. yeah. And, yeah. And, and it really, you know, it didn't fly too good. So, yeah. after he did that, they were embarrassed by that. So, they threw him out of the yeah. band. But Murray, Murray and... <laughs> no, yeah, I love now, it. We're, we're happened, not that kind of band. Yeah. yeah we're, no, no, we're, we're not. We're not, we're not, we're not a bank, like Jerry. Kind we're of not shit. a bank, yeah. Jerry. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Okay, so uh, but what would happen next is Murray would have a falling out with his friend Wilcock, okay, the singer. Yeah, and Harris kind of, I don't know, he he sided he sided with Wilcock at this point, and he fired Murray. Oh really? Well, that that yeah, surprises over some, me. That yeah, Wilcock, over the direction of the band, okay, well, you know, it was just like early on stupid. Shit. Yeah, and, yeah, that's what it was. And Harris is on record saying he regretted doing it at that of point. Of course. Yeah. Okay. No, we're all young but, and immature, but yeah. Right. They were in yeah. their they were in their twenties, you know. Now he not only fired Murray at that point, he fired Ron Matthews, the drummer. So they would need a new lineup once again. And this time they got now this I find <laughs> I find a, a, a hilarious connection right here. Listen to this. Okay. The new lineup would be put together and this time they got future cutting crew keyboardist tony moore oh, right they had a All keyboardist right. yeah. <laughs> now, now does anybody yeah. remember the cutting crew right i just died at your arms tonight yeah <laughs> no that no, yeah i mean that like that cutting crew yeah i mean I, I guess cutting crew wasn't around yet but the idea that this guy, like, you know, went oh, on hilarious. to form the cutting crew. It's all right. So Tony Morgan for a keyboard. And they brought in the guy named Henry Wap. So now they're so the now top. they're fucking Genesis, you know. Well, it looks like it. It looks like oh they're yeah, definitely Genesis at this point. But to, Terry Wapram is brought on guitar, he's a very good guitarist, and, and drummer Barry Perkins. Mm-hmm. Now, Perkins was good. Perkins, was Perkins, good. What was Perkins's What was Perkins's nickname, Sean? Oh Christ! You tell me, man. You've done your Thunderstick. Oh, I'm sorry. Thunderstick. Yeah. Sorry. <laughs> I got distracted. I was getting another beer. Thunderstick, man. You can't Thunderstick. I, now man, I, they did one gig with this. When guy. I uncovered this guy, and you know why he went by Thunderstick? Because he didn't want to no. be associated with Iron Maiden. He thought he was too good for him. 
Yeah. Good luck. Like he was doing that. Yeah, good favor, luck right? with you, man. Yeah. How's your career going now, son? Yeah. Thunder yeah. Well, well, Thunder. He was uh, a maniac. Thunder. He was a fucking Thunder. maniac. No, he threw. Uh, well, yeah, like Rob, he threw away a billion dollars. You know? Yeah, he did. Yeah, more like more like Thunder. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, you're acting like a real Thunder Dick right now. Yeah, exactly. Now they did. They only did one gig with this guy. It was in November of '77 at a place called the Bridge House. Yeah, all right. And he would be fired right after that because he was all about himself. He just did all these solos. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. okay. And anyone yeah. who calls himself Thunderstick might have a little ego issue. Yeah. yeah. Now Thunderstick <coughs> didn't last, and, and neither did Tony mm. Moore because the keyboard sound did not go with what. Yeah. They nah. I, I, honestly, okay. Michael, I was surprised to uncover that because uh, I'm, you know, I love my Iron Maiden, and you've obviously done your homework, but the keyboard thing kind of freaked me out. I was like, oh, but they love Deep Purple. And yeah, but they, they would know. bring keyboards in later on. Well, sure, seven. Yeah. 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 But they did it in a way that makes that know, makes like, sense. It uh, well, makes that's sense a, and it kind of enhanced their sound. I, no, uh, like to me, to me, like okay, like I'm I'm a purist like you. And and one band that I'm sure we agree on is like Van Halen. Sure. Uh, I love Van and Halen. when Van Halen when Van Halen God rest Eddie Van Halen's soul. Exactly. Oh big loss from this I year. cried like a baby. Yeah, yeah, sad day, sad day. But but you know, a lot of Van Halen fans were pissed off. Oh sure, when 1984 came out, and that's because they they brought the keyboards in. In my opinion, it's just my opinion, too much. All right. Well, they brought it in. It was a little bit overkill when Jump came out, and uh, it's an Iron Maiden podcast. Or, but but, well, but when Jump yeah. came out, I think everybody was like, "What the fuck is this?" You know. So pardon yeah, my yeah. French. And yeah. I imagine at this that this Iron Maiden gig, okay, where people are like, you know, heavy metal purists, and you're bringing in keyboards. This is like 1977. Yeah. yeah. All right. You know, like you just no, nah, it didn't work out. So they let him go, and the band would kind of be spinning its wheels at this point. But a few months later. Dennis Wilcock, the singer, would just kind of announce out of the blue that he's leaving the band to start his own band. Okay, right. right? And it was a band called V1. Oh, yeah. And yeah. right away when that happened, uh, Dave Murray came back. Yeah, so that's when okay. Dave Murray returned. So let's, let, I mean, I, we, we have limited time, but let's jump a little bit forward, um, okay. if you don't mind. Um, but sure. you got Dave Murray back, and they—it was—it was interesting. What I in my research, uh, they had a lot of different guitar players. Um, but I—I I, got to talk about Dennis Stratton, who was—he uh, was on the first album, you know, um, sure. and a great guitarist. But he was uh, there's a funny story about him. Like he was listening to the Eagles. And they were like, we, we don't think you're Iron Maiden material. <laughs> well, because well, he was you know, listening to them in his own he time. Was in a hotel room, listening to like yeah. Hotel California. Like, I don't think it's working out. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah. I mean, they had their standards, yeah. you know, that they were living by. Yeah, but uh, and definitely the Eagles at that point weren't. But now, Doug Sampson replaced Thunderstick on. Yeah, drums. Sampson. He was and, a good drummer. And, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, he was. And Harris and Murray spent the summer and fall of 78 rehearsing and looking for a singer. Yeah. Um, there happened to be just one, one day they were in a pub called the Red Lion in the Le- Leightonstone section. Of okay. 
And they came across a guy, and his name was uh, Paul Deano. And, man, and, and, well, you know what? Let me just interject here. You were talking a little bit about punk rock, which we both we yeah. both love in our own right. But, man, let's talk about Paul. He was the punk rocker of Iron Maiden, you know? It, well, you know, it's you know, some people, they say it's a cult following. And even Paul himself to, you know, to the, you know, currently is like, no, Bruce is the best singer, but man, the, the Paul killers. I, I, well, Paul, Paul's on record saying, you know, I mean, we'll get into this in a minute, yeah. but you know, when, when he left, he said that, that Dickinson was the better. Yeah. Singer, and you know, well, well but, that's, but a, that's a pretty sporting those, attitude. Those two albums. It's a sporting there's, attitude, but man, killers yeah. and even the first record for that matter. Um, uh, you got to give it to Paul. Uh, I just, um, you know, there, there's nothing when you're in the mood for it. There's nothing that will do better than Paul. Well, what I what I like about the Diano records, okay, is that they, you know Iron Maiden was 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 part of this you know new wave of British heavy metal. Scene. Exactly. Yeah. And you had Paul Diano who like didn't really have long hair, like okay. Yeah. And he 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 had like a. Almost a almost a punk rock, you know they they, they almost. That's what I'm saying. Like, That's what I'm saying. Like a G, like 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 a hardcore GBH kind of like element to that. Yeah, something at that point. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And, and 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 remember remember another band that was that was kind of lumped in with that uh, new wave of British heavy metal, though they'd been around for a while, was Motorhead. Yeah, oh, Motorhead. And, yeah, and, that, a different animal, but yes, yeah. They, well, you know. yes and no, because if you listen to some of that, you know, Killers and and the and the the, the first self title, yeah, you know, it it it, it has, uh, I don't want to say a Motorhead feel, but almost a Motorhead feel. Well, I think it, I it, think what we can agree on here is it, it, it was borderline early. It, it set the stage for speed metal. If you will, you know. Well, those two, albums, yeah, yeah. I mean, it, it, they would go in a different direction. It, it later, was just, but, yeah. it was really fast, like a Motorhead. And Motorhead, albeit, was a little more punk, but uh, but our yeah. band was certainly fast, you know. Mm -hmm. so, yeah, and, and they, I think that they attracted probably some of the remnants of, of of punk fans at that point, late seventies. And what what I liked about even the other bands that are in that new wave of British heavy metal scene, Priest, uh, Saxon. God, I'm so glad uh, you. Angel, I'm so Angel, glad you said Saxon. Angel Witch. Angel Witch. Yeah. I mean, Sa Saxon. You could, you know, you could put a Saxon song. I actually like to Saxon. a Motorhead yeah, song. I actually like them. I, I, I like some of that. <laughs> but but, and P, and but Def well, Saxon. Well, Def Leppard was getting a big contract too. Def, they were getting a Def big Leppard was contract. Part of that as well. But, uh, yeah, um, but I think they signed to. I guess Iron Maiden was on EMI at the point in the beginning. Um, yeah, but for many but years. But then Def yeah. Leppard had a different contract. But uh, no, it it was interesting. But uh, who was Leppard with? Were they with Epic? Who's that? Uh, I think Dep they might have been Epic. Yeah, I don't remember. Yeah, well, that's Def Leppard's yeah. story. Yeah, yeah, that's <laughs> a whole different show. But but uh, yeah. you know, they they, they were on to something with Deano. They were playing fast. It was more like a, you know, DIY, do-it-yourself kind of mentality. Sure, sure. Uh, Maiden is on record saying, you know, Harris has said, I don't like anything about punk rock. But I think that that, 
I don't think that's true. I, I, I really would love to meet him and talk to him and say, you know, you don't like anything. No, you know what? I think you kind of, if you bought him a beer now, he might have a different answer. But, uh, but yeah. since we're talking about records, you, gotta... you know what? Def Leppard was with Mercury, Universal, Virgo, okay, all right, all right. Bodygram, Island, Frontier. So they had a few. Mercury, Mercury first. Well, yeah, Mercury first. Yeah, so, so well, yeah. talking We're talking about the new wave of British heavy metal. Def Leppard was one of the first concerts I ever saw. And, uh, uh, but they were, it was so hot, everything coming out of England at the time. And yeah. Iron Maiden, of course, was huge. And Def Leppard, but uh, it was uh, people were kind of chasing after these people, trying to sell some records. Um, but uh, I rem- but did you did you know that the, really that whole scene was was manufactured by Sounds Magazine in England? It, it was kind of like oh, well, that adds up. Yeah. <laughs> what was happening was Sounds, which was everybody was you know it was like Rolling Stone. Everybody turned to that magazine, uh-huh. and they were pushing this like new scene because punk had kind of you know dwindled and new wave kind of was just starting gotcha. but this stuff was different so they were they were they were saying it's like a new wave of of heavy metal well you know so it was they were trying yeah. to combine two two yeah, things it was there really is no such well, thing it was not the, the magazine not only the new wave of heavy metal but the new wave of british heavy metal so so you know you kind of almost have to talk about judas priest here and maybe maybe yeah. Black Sabbath because the um, good well sa- well Sabbath had already obviously oh, been well, around. No, and, well, that ship sailed maybe a little bit, but uh, but it, yeah. By the time I think about it, seventy nine was I think Never Say Die, and, the last uh, one with Ozzy. Oh no, sure, yeah. sure. Well, you got to love Ozzy, but no. But here's the thing. But then Iron Maiden with a new singer. I mean, I love Paul Diano, yeah. but what, what, so Number of the Beast. I mean, that that, that record was getting banned in the states. For yeah. The, well, for let's, the let's, state. let's let's not let's talk let's, about state. let's not let's not jump ahead. Oh, okay. okay, because we got to talk about okay. <laughs> a couple of things before that that are really fascinating. Now, yeah. on New Year's Eve in '78, when they got Diano, the first thing they wanted to do was was throw out a demo. They yeah. wanted to make a demo. So they went to a place called the Spaceward Studios in Cambridge, and they kind of hoped that this demo would get them more gigs. We, that was really all they were, we're looking We're talking for. about the Soundhouse tapes? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Uh-huh. Now, uh-huh. the interesting thing about what would be called the Soundhouse tapes is that there was a club called um, the Bandwagon Heavy Metal Soundhouse in North London. Okay. And there was a guy who ran the club named Neil Keck. And they sent him a copy. Oh, they were really just looking for gigs. They wanted to play there. Yeah. All right. No, Neil and, Kay. I'm glad you brought him up. That's yeah. Yeah, uh, yeah. I mean, he's a definitely important. Uh, he really is. Story. <laughs> yeah. Now, obviously, because because he puts them on the charts. Yeah. Basically, what, what what would happen is is Sounds Magazine paid attention to what was happening at this club every week, and they would the club had its own like kind of chart. All right. Okay. Number one, number two, number three, number four, number five of the week, whatever. Yeah. And they would they would they would publish this in sounds. So Kay fell in love with Iron Maiden right away. I think there was an early version of Prowler. Oh Prowler. An early yeah. version of Rat so he's Child like, you gotta you gotta hear this band. You gotta you yeah, gotta hear yeah. this band. And and sounds picked up on okay. it. All right. And what happened was they started to realize the band started to realize, hey, you know, we could we could take this demo and put it out ourselves. We're not on the label yet. Okay, yeah. but we'll put it out ourselves. 
will tweak it a little bit. They actually it started out as a four song demo, but they would release it as a three song demo. Demo. They would leave a song off. Sure. And uh, their manager, whose name was Rod Small, uh, I'm glad you brought right. his name up. He, he, he's a he, genius. He, 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 he's a yeah, genius. He and, yeah. <laughs> and he he pushed them to do this. Yeah. Uh, they decided to release the demo. Um, it, they, the, the track that came off was a song called "Strange World." All right. Yeah. And they, they made five thousand copies of this demo, and they released it themselves, and it sold out in a couple of weeks. So five right, thousand in, in the well, area. That's a lot of records, honestly. That I mean, is, for an underground, unknown band. I mean, with only three songs. That's on. pretty sick. Yeah, right. I didn't. I yeah, didn't know I mean, they sold five thousand. That. That's pretty actually yeah, impressive. They, 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 they pressed. They pressed five thousand. I think it was on cassette, but I could be wrong. Okay. So it was like five thousand cassette copies. Okay. And you know. This just made their their buzz kind of grow exponentially. Well, they and they they and, certainly did have a buzz, and we'll cover some more of this later. But um, again, no radio play. Iron Maiden, no, Iron, Iron, Iron Maiden was especially early word on. of mouth, man. They're, and they're that kind of band, which is impressive as shit yeah. hell to me. Yeah. Yeah. I always I always like it when a band can do that. You know, uh, remember Rob? We we did a show on Grand Funk a couple yeah. of weeks ago, okay. and, and how the early years was all word of yeah, mouth. Word of mouth. Yeah. Iron Maiden was exactly well you couldn't get any radio play but how do you how do you succeed i mean and uh it's really you know what it was about how you met they had such a unique sound and such a way of playing that you know what you would hear them and you'll be like even if you didn't like him you'll be captivated you'll be like oh my god what the hell is this yeah well you're right rob and and, and it was like wow i gotta listen to this and and that's pretty much what it was they were they have fans that Really like the sound, the music, the drumming, the singer. And once you have all that and you make the right formula, guess what? You're going to sell albums. Of, you're going to sell albums. That's the bottom well, line. You're, yeah, no, you're, you're yeah, totally at, right. At, at, this point, yeah. at, at this point, they 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 were just about to get signed because based on this demo that they sold themselves, EMI, yeah. their, their ears were perked up. Okay. And they signed them in December of 79. All right, well, that makes now, sense. That makes sense. Yeah, yeah, now... They would add a second guitarist at this point. All right, the band, uh, you know, they just they were with Dave Murray. Basically, he was the only one because the other two guys had left. Early. There was a short time where he was the only guitar player. Yeah, yeah. well, it was at this point, yeah. and he brought in his childhood friend Adrian Smith. Oh God, don't now all you're right. speaking my language now. Right, <laughs> I know you're a big fan. I, I know you're a big fan. Now he was in a band called Urchin. Uh, well, yeah, don't get me started. Pound for pound, right. my favorite and, heavy. He is the reason I learned how to play now, guitar. But uh, but yeah, but guy. I'm gonna let me just let me just explain something. Yeah, go ahead. He was he was he was asked to come in. Yeah. Okay, but they he refused. Yeah. All right, because they. He said, I'm with Urchin. Yeah. I don't, I don't, I, you know, I'm devoted to them. Let me give you a guy I know. And that's when they got Dennis. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Who you just mentioned. Okay. Okay. Now, now, now drummer Doug Sampson at this point was having some health problems. He couldn't handle touring and he had some issues. So he would leave the band and they would be, they would replace him with ex Sampson drummer. Clive Burke, Mr. Clive Burke, and that would happen Christmas time in '79. So even though, like again, uh, you know, another lineup change, even in the middle of this demo, and and also 
getting signed. No, that's good research. Okay. But yeah, 79, Clive Burr, who's a massive drummer, God rest his soul. Yeah. Uh, yeah. But man, he died of MS. Uh, the poor, well, well, they, uh, they took they took good care of him from what I read. They but, did. Uh, they but did. what a massive drummer! I mean, Killers, yeah. uh, Number of the Beast. I mean, yeah. forget about it. Even the even the deep cuts and the B sides are fucking great. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Now, what what's very interesting is is at this point the the demo was was a hit. They get signed by EMI. But they're not quite ready to go in the studio yet because they ended up on a compilation called Metal for Mothers. Yeah. And the album contained, uh, it was a bunch of metal, of that like new wave British heavy metal scene. Uh-huh. Uh, it was a bunch of bands from that. Metal and, for and Mothers? That's, ridic- mothers. that's ridiculous. Yeah, <laughs> M- M- M-U-T- it was spelled M-U-T-H-A-S. Oh, yeah, Mothers. <laughs> like the metal, the metal misfit. Yeah. Okay, the heavy metal misfit. Oh, my God. All right. But. Now this, <laughs> the song "Sanctuary" and and Wrathchild yeah. was was released yeah. on that album February fifteenth, nineteen eighty. Um, they went on a tour. It was it was the heavy metal mothers tour. Okay, okay. Yeah. And Sounds Magazine was pushing this. You had bands like Diamond Head, Angel Witch, Saxon. Uh, uh, yeah, well, you know, look, Leopard, let me, Venom. Well, you know what? Let me mention this. You know what Diamond Head's singer name was? Sean, Har- Sean Harris. <laughs> Another Harris. Wow. Yeah. No, I got the, okay. I got that going for me. But Damn. Uh, what a hell of a lineup, though, for real. Yeah. So. No. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you know, this whole Sounds Magazine driven thing was was really so big they're really a couple yeah of years. they're really pushing this thing and uh, yeah okay. yeah yeah. Now, during this tour, they would take a little time off because they had to start making a, a debut album. Uh-huh. Um, th- they brought in producer Will Malone, all right? But they kind of weren't sure about him uh-huh. because he kind of, like, showed very little interest in the band. Right. Uh, they ended up kind of producing this debut album themselves. Yeah. Well, I'm, but, I'm sure Steve know, Harris had a hand in that. Yeah, well, of course, of course. But now it was kind of like in between days on the Metal for Mothers tour. Okay. They, they would put the final mixes on this self-titled Iron Maiden album. Uh-huh. Uh, it was recorded at the Morgan Studios in England in February of that year, maybe. And I got to mention that as a side note to this, they had Malone as producer, but they were kind of trying other people out. At the same time, oh, while and while which is, they which were is kind of, while they while they had him, yeah, okay. he kind of was like a, he wasn't interested. So they were kind of like doing all these things themselves. They brought in Andy Scott from Sweet of all people. Oh, okay. okay, okay, and he took a crack at it, but one day he suggested to Steve Harris that he stops stop playing the bass with his fingers and play it with a pick. Well, that's a dumb idea. <laughs> okay, and that and that didn't fly well. What no happened? shit, it. So, yeah. so I think you got, I think you got tossed on his Yeah. Well, well, you're fired. Thanks, you're fired. <laughs> no, you don't get it. We can't use. No, it. you don't tell Steve okay. Harris how to play bass. I'm how, sorry. how to play? Okay. <laughs> <laughs> now, Will, so what they did was they let Will Malone kind of be there, and they kind of. You know, Harris produced it himself with a little help from Malone. Malone gets the whole credit. I got you. Um, yeah, I got you. I got you. Th- now, the band to this day 
is on record saying that they don't like the production on that album. And I don't get it. Well, that I don't get. Well, it. I'm not honestly I'm not crazy about it because and 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 yeah. I'm I'm just going to go back to Martin Birch because the first record well, I love yeah. Remember Tomorrow, man, when I was learning how to cut my teeth and trying to learn how to play guitar, I that record was my religion. But man, once you get to Killers, it's a leap, you know. It is a leap, and uh, and Paul sounds great on it. And well, what's the what's production wrong? was incredible. What, so, what, what, but what's wrong with the production of the first one? It's a little raw. Uh, well, but... well uh, uh, how do I put this? It's a little raw. Um, God, I sound like a, a jerk, but it, it just it sounds a little cheap. Because, and you know what? If I didn't have Killers right behind it, I might not feel this way. But Killers yeah. was just Killers really soars for me. You know, Wrathchild, it just didn't sound, it just sounded so much better, you know, so. Yeah, I, I mean, it's definitely a better production, but yeah. I, I don't, I, I, I've, I've listened to both, and I'm kind of like, I don't think it's that bad. Most fans, I don't think, dislike no, it. It's, I, 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 no, I, it's not terrible, yeah. that's not what I'm saying, but but I, I really think, uh, I think when you, it, Killers just really made a jump for me, so the, yeah, that's my yeah. humble opinion, you know. So. Right, right. Now, one thing we got to talk about is is Eddie, okay, because you can't talk about Iron Man without Eddie, yeah. and the, 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 first, the first album, uh, they connected with artist Derek Riggs, and Derek Riggs. He, he brought this total weirdo. Well, it, would, it would, it would, yeah. I mean, it would be, it would be, yeah, it's true. It would be a mascot for them, like you mentioned before. But just these albums are iconic. Every album cover, you look at it, you go, like, God, I remember this. Yeah, sure. Okay. Yeah. And, and, and I mean, the t shirts, you know, man. Yeah, the t shirts. You know what's funny is you see made in t shirts now more than ever. Sure. Well, and half the people don't even know what they're wearing. Yeah, well, that's <laughs> what I was going to say. Is you see these little, like, you know, skater hip-hop kids wearing them. And yeah, stuff. It's I, like, I, yeah, I don't I don't think you know about Rathjohn. It's become there, a but, fashion. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yeah, yeah. But but even so, I mean, it's iconic, okay? And sure. he brought this this character, this this Eddie character. Now, if you, listen, if, if you look at the first album, just called Iron Maiden, which is probably their most, I mean, they're not going to like the word, but punk influenced kind of record. I'm comfortable okay. with that. I'm comfortable. Yeah. yeah. No, I think fans are. I think they don't yeah. like it, but fans are. I hear. And, yeah, and, I hear. And, and, and you look at the, the cover of that, and Eddie kind of has a mohawk. Uh, it's, yeah. Okay. okay. So here, right. here's the thing with Derek Riggs. So when he, I, from, from what I know, uh, when he came up with that character, he originally did it for a punk album. And he lifted that. What band? Uh, he never said, but mm, but he lifted that image off. He was like, I was looking at some images, and it was a it was a fucking head on a tank from the Vietnam <laughs> War. And he was like, apparently it was a it was an American's head, but I think that was just uh, them trying to drum. Oh, I think I, they're I've just trying to drum story. up sympathy for the American yeah. government. Yeah, yeah. No, wow. I, I, I did hear this yeah. story. It was like a uh, severed well, head or something on a North Vietnam. Wow. That's what I'm talking about. Yeah, yeah, I'm talking. Yeah, yeah, I just yeah. looked at the interview, but you know, Rob, that, that's more conspiracy theory. Yeah. <laughs> but but man, I, I, it seems to be it, it, apparently that was his uh, that was his influence and his inspiration. Yeah, it kind of looks like a mohawk. Yeah. Uh, and, yeah. and but I have to I have to say something, Rob. Okay, after that record, he never had a mohawk again. Okay, yeah. But 
Who else doesn't have a mohawk anymore? Oh, Jonathan. <laughs> oh, that's Free John. Uh, Free John, John yeah. cut his mohawk off. Uh, did, he really, did he really cut his hair? Yeah, he had to. Yes, he did. Man. Okay. Well, uh, Oh, he had to do it? Was it for uh, work or no, something? No, he just had it because um, the last time he put product in his hair, it just burned it. So he had to take it off. Oh, he fucked it up. Oh, my God. No. <laughs> no, that's he, hilarious. He now, I don't his... even know the guy that well, but that's at the end of an era. For, yeah, even definitely. even for me, yeah, well, yeah, yeah. Um, well, I try to bring that up because that was, <laughs> well, sure. but but that anyway. But that's a little bit about the Eddie, you know. Uh, but then when Killers came out, you know, Derek Riggs had kind of refined his artwork, and it just got better yeah. and better. And uh, I, you know, they just kept uh, recycling Eddie's story, and uh, and that was part of you know. I mean, I was I was just a kid, but it really um, it kind of gave this kind of cool backstory and mystery to yeah. Iron Maiden. Where, and it was almost kind of comic book, to be honest. But uh, And they had this cool, especially on the first album, they had this cool kind of horror vibe. Okay? You had, like, Eddie, obviously, album cover and all that. But then you had tracks like Transylvania, yeah. Phantom of the Opera, yeah. Sanctuary. You know, they had this kind of, like, shock rock, uh, almost, almost in the same vein as Alice Cooper, but way more heavy. Uh, yeah, I mean, it, you yeah, know, definitely that horror vibe, which is, uh, right, you know, right. when, they were drawing from horror themed stuff. Yeah, uh, uh, yeah, more on that first album probably than later on. I mean, one theme that that's always through Iron Maiden is historical shit. You know, whether it's war or religion or things like that is stuff that's always a big theme in their music. But in this first album, like I said, Transylvania, Phantom of the Opera. Yeah. Uh, the, the the title track Iron Maiden, which was actually a very early MTV. Yeah, video. that's a hell of a song, Michael. Yeah. I, I, yeah. I slaved over that with my little Fender Bullet guitar. I slaved yeah. over it, <laughs> and I finally learned it. But yeah, no, great song, cool, um, and cool. not easy to play. But uh, you know, um, now uh, now when that album came out, the the, the self titled first one. Uh, that was 1980, and they were touring relentlessly. Now, one one tour they ended up on was opening for Kiss on the Unmasked tour. They did, and and uh, yeah. you got to give it to Gene Simmons, love him or hate him, but he took Rush out, he took Iron Maiden out. I mean, the guy's got an yeah. eye for talent, and uh, discovered Van Halen. Yeah, oh God, no! So I, yep. I got to give it to Gene. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Now, one other band they toured with that year was Judas Priest on a few dates. Yeah. Uh, they also did what was uh, the Reading Festival back then. Yeah. Uh, they were they were on se- they were second billing uh-huh. on that Reading Festival to UFO. Yeah. Okay, UFO was the. Headline. I'm glad you brought them um, up, and we'll cover that in a minute. But uh, yeah, that that well, yeah. UFO they had that gallop which Iron Maiden barred. You know that yeah, that yeah, with the drums and uh, but that gallop, uh, Pete Way from UFO. I think uh, I'm not going to say he invented it, but he was. Right. Yeah, right. yeah. Anyhow, yeah. I mean, UFO is a band that influenced a lot. Oh yeah, definitely influenced yeah. a lot of people. Yeah. Now, now yeah. after the after the Kiss tour, they would throw out Dennis Stratton. At that point, yeah, Stratton, Stratton, and and the band were kind of going separate ways creatively. Yeah, and this was when Adrian Smith would say, "Okay, 
I'll join the band. It's my favorite subject. So, so when Adrian, I think when Adrian, it just sounded like Adrian was ready to join Iron Maiden. I think Urchin was done at that point. Well, I think he did his best with it, you know, but I think he did Urchin continue. I don't think so. No, they never did. did. And he were, well, they were kind of a hard rock band, you know, they they weren't a heavy metal band, but, uh, but I think Adrian was kind of like, man, I better do this, you know? Um, But one thing that, that Steve Harris and Dave Murray like, because because uh, Dave Murray and Adrian were friends from the old days, yes. you know, um, they were they were schoolmates and all that. But uh, but one thing that that kind of just gets me excited is they they knew Adrian could come in and play the harmonies, but they also liked his solos, and I lo- and yeah. I love Adrian solos. Um, but uh, now, did you tell me you met Adrian? Smith? Okay, well, yeah, let me let me burn through this little story. So, I was working okay. uh, basically, it was a uh, it was a place called at the time it was called the Experience Music Project. I was living in Seattle with Katie, you know, we moved out there for her job. Um, right. and, and now I think it's called Mopop now, but anyway, it's Paul Allen's man cave, you know, and he's a, a great founder of all that. Anyway, I'm standing there at my desk and Adrian Smith walks in and he was like, Hey, is this where the Jimi Hendrix exhibition is? And I, I fell over myself. I was like, uh, you're Adrian Smith. <laughs> and, and, you know, I mean, he's about two inches shorter than me, which is even better. And I, I yeah. said, yeah, you know what? Let me call my manager. And this guy comes rushing over. And I was like, the fucking Adrian Smith from Iron Maiden's here. He's like, I'll be right there. <laughs> and, uh, uh, so yeah, I got uh, I got to meet one of my uh, guitar heroes. <laughs> That's always good. That's always yeah, good. Uh, well, wow. it was cool. It was cool. Um, but, yeah. Uh, and uh, of course, an uh, English gentleman, nice guy, and um, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. he got to see the Hendrix exhibition. So win win. <laughs> <laughs> Did you get a Did you get a picture with him? No, no. Well, that's the thing. I'm working in a museum. They're like, don't, don't do all, don't bother, don't bother the people. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, but uh, looking back, I wish I had. (laughs) Okay, so now let's talk about the second album. That was in October of 1980, right? That he joined Adrian Smith. Yeah, yeah. October of 80. uh, After Stratton left, Adrian joined up. But in 81. It was time to make a second album, and that would be great. Killers, great album, classic. Well, and some of yeah. Killers was some of Killers was already written, but Adrian. Yeah. Well, that's but he jumped in like a champ and just banged out some of the best guitar work I've ever heard. You know well, what, what I was noticing, and and again, it goes back to this, like you know Harris being so driven and in control of of the band yeah. is you know they would they would they would tour, or I would say let the, you know like. The holidays would come, okay, Christmas time or whatever, and then they would like go into the studio all winter, okay, and then they would they would release something in the spring, and then tour it for the rest of the year, and they pretty much kept this schedule, yeah, through their through their whole history. Really, I mean, it's really like amazing. Well, it, how they were able to do it that. really is. It's a testament to Steve's ambition. So yeah. just like, I mean, if you're going to be in a band with this guy, you're married to this guy because he's ready to work and work, work, right. work, work. Um, so, yeah, you, you yeah. can imagine that's a grueling schedule. I don't care if you're 26 years old, man. That is a hard schedule to keep. Oh, yeah. You know? It doesn't matter. I mean, I guess the younger you are, the better. But well, still, I, I mean, exactly. it, it's, it's, no, I've done it. You know, and it's hard, you yeah. know, and yeah. uh, but yeah. but he, he was so ambitious and uh and uh, uh unsolvable force and uh, yeah 
Yeah, I mean, well, look, they, they, Killers, Killers would be released, okay? Uh, now, Harris wrote most of that album already, way before they went to the studio. Yeah. But there was the, the title track had to be written, and then there was a, a song called Twilight Zone. Man, that they, he, he wrote with Paul DeAnne. I'm so glad you brought that up, man. The chorus, uh-huh. of, because this is one of the only time Paul Diano, like, if you know, he does, he does the chorus, but the the fourth stanza of the chorus, he really soars. But it's yeah. also Martin Birch really helping him out a little bit. <laughs> yeah, um, oh, of course. But it, no, it's incredible. And no, that's a great deep cut, man. That's great. Uh-huh. Yeah, and 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 just you know, you mentioned Martin Birch. Um, basically, you know, he was a guy who was brought in to do this album, and they 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 were they were happy to work with him because he had worked with Deep Purple, Rainbow. Blue Oyster Fleet, Cult, Fleetwood Mac. Fleetwood yeah, Mac. No. Also, so, no, yeah, I mean, Dave Murray. I yeah. saw an interview with Dave Murray recently, and he was so, uh, he was like starstruck. And he was like, I'm like, oh, I'm meeting one of my heroes. And they, you know, all kinds of great photos together. But uh, yeah, you can imagine. He's like, oh. Yeah. And they would work together for the next like 11, 12 yeah. years yeah. Yeah. Uh, until he would retire. Yeah. Um, now, Killers would get them their first world tour. And also their first U.S. dates. They opened for Judas Priest at the Aladdin Casino yep. in Las Vegas. Now, let's say they're conquering um, that, America, and uh, right now that was their American yeah. debut. And they, in Las well, Vegas. they toured with Priest, but it was funny looking back. Out, Jesus, I wish I'd seen that tour. I was a little bit too young, but uh, yeah. but they would yeah. compete, as you can imagine, because I love Judas Priest and great band. But man, can you imagine seeing them head to head back in nineteen eight? What eighty eighty one? What are we? Yeah, yeah I mean, it, it, it must have been incredible. Yeah, yeah it had yeah. to be. It had to be. I mean, they were definitely a force to be reckoned with. Probably bands that were a little bit older, like Sabbath and stuff, were looking at. Well, plus, going, like, uh, well, plus half these guys never been to the states, so it, it just it, yeah. it must have been something else. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Now, Diano, this would be the last album with him. Yeah, uh, he was. He was kind of. I don't know. He 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 had developed a bad cocaine habit at this point. I you know uh, I he, mean that might it, 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 honestly it kind of shows. <laughs> yeah, I think when, when you look at some of the live shows, it's yeah. like he's not he, quite. He looks a little out of breath. He's a little a little out of breath, sweaty. Right <laughs> and he was drink and he was drinking a lot, and he was really kind of like fed up with. Boring. Well, and you know, uh, I'm not judging the bastard because I mean that's a hard life. But but yeah, from what I read, he I think he did. He was homesick, and he was like, I don't yeah. know if I want to keep this up as a lifestyle, and I don't know if I can. So, but he was doing mountains. Of yeah. Cocaine. Well, that's uh, right. so I, yeah. that's, <laughs> that doesn't that's that not, doesn't help. Yeah, it doesn't it, no, it doesn't help the situation. No, it doesn't, it but at this help, point, but... and, and and also what when, when he was having these doubts and and living the success of this, yeah. he, Iron Maiden had to, had like committed to like a few years of things. Okay? Well, like he, tours well, EMI, and EMI wanted yeah. three records, so. Yeah. Yeah, so, so then he he was kind of like, I don't think I could do this. 
and, and that's after, and it was show it, it was showing yes. in the killers tour yeah. by the end of the tour <laughs> the, the the shows were suffering a little bit with with him as a, a lead singer uh, well yeah and they fired him at the end of the well tour. i and yeah and the way he tells it it's like well it was mutual but i'm sure steve being the ambitious son of a bitch he is he was probably like you gotta go man well, yeah. well, uh, I'll give you a little insight here because it it, it, it wasn't. It might have been mutual, okay. but Harris was already planning because a few a few months earlier, in September of eighty one, okay, um, after the the Reading Festival that they had done, they did the one the year before. There was another one that at that summer. Okay, they were looking at ex Samson singer Bruce Dickinson. Well, uh, well, okay. Samson minus the P. Yeah. <laughs> right, except right, Sam's right, right, not Doug. Samson, but I know, well, you know, yeah, well, yeah, all right, I gotta be a nerd about yeah, it. Yeah, the bank ball The Dickinson, who I mean, these guys were all friends, yeah, yeah, okay? sure. And 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 they were realizing that Deano wasn't gonna work out, yeah, all right. And Dickinson did a an audition. And that was that was it. I, I don't think he did much. I think they they were like, yeah. You oh, no, that was okay. that was a walk on. It, it's so funny to hear Dickinson tell it because he was like, I'm not gonna come in here wear a leather collar and and uh, but he but did. Of course he ended, <laughs> of course he did. Yeah. I mean, could, you know, but, you look at those early videos with Dickinson. Oh, sure. right? No, and, and, and he's just you know. The power of metal. Oh man, well, you know, yeah, the, but the spikes, the spikes. I know, but he, but he was used to his little white frilly fencing shirt. And, you know, yeah, I, that I don't understand. Samson, yeah, I thought he was a pretty boy, you know. But uh, it, no, it was funny to see that transformation. But but I'll tell you what, though, man, some of those uh, number of the beasts, like the that tour, and and I think they probably did some dates with Priest on that as well but uh but yeah, yeah no yeah. but but dickinson like handling murders in the room morgue man some of that is 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 uh it's 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 really savage <laughs> yeah i mean it's totally he, different oh yeah he, was doing. and yeah. and just like from the first record and then into killers with paul um then a, a number of the beasts it put him in the stratosphere and and rob like you were saying or we were talking about um, you didn't need airplay, you know, because you're not going to get it with six minute songs and number of the beasts and Satanism. But uh, the yeah. word of mouth, man, Iron Maiden, they were everywhere. Yeah. Well, well, num- number of the beasts, and we're, we're going to talk about that now, really pushed them over the top. But right before they went into the studio, Dickinson had joined the band and they went on like a month long tour mm-hmm. of, of Italy, okay, in a few places in Southern Europe. Now, the last show of the tour, they actually debuted two new songs that would end up on uh, Number of the Beast, uh, Children of the yep. Damned. And, right? Incredible and, and, song. And, yeah. Right. And I believe 22 Acacia yep. Also, and that's, well, that's an Adrian one. song. Yeah, what an Adrian worth. Smith yeah. song. Yeah. Right. And that they, the, the last show that they did on that little mini tour was at the Rainbow Theater in the UK. Right after that, they went into the studio to do what would be the number of the beast. Okay. That was in January and February of 82. They worked on that at the Battery Studios in London. With Martin Birch. Uh, Martin Birch. With Martin Birch. Yeah, yeah. Now, I mean, I may not mention the producer, but Martin Birch basically is with them going forward to like 1992. Yes. Okay, so every album has. Him. Well, he died this year, so I got to drop his name as much he, as I can. He, he did. He did. He did pass he did. away, but he was. He was up there. He was up there. Anyhow, um, th- that album was released in March. 
of 82. And it was their first number one. <laughs> and it also went top 40 in some other countries, including the United States. Now, I remember when that came out. Okay. And it, you know, the, the song, The Number of the Beast, with that little intro in the beginning where they're like, you know, the Vincent Price sounding guy. Oh, reckon the number of the you know, beast. The, the, yeah, it gives that whole intro. It's, a, hum, it's right. a human number, yeah. Now, now, for some reason in America, oh, that, it, the, it, you know, it, it was huge, but but the religious right. Oh, the lobbyists. Yeah, the lobbyists. Well, that, okay, well, yeah. No, I, I'm, I'm glad you brought it up because it, it almost single handedly invented the PMRC. <laughs> yes, yes, and we've all, we've brought that up yeah. on a lot of oh, other Chipper shows. Oh, Chipper Gore yeah. was uh, he was a piece of um, shit, and right? they had a field day with it, didn't they? Yeah. Yeah. You know, yeah. Well, the the PMRC wasn't around yet, but that was definitely going to well, be the reason. But for it that. came right behind it, didn't it? <laughs> yeah, yes, it did. But yes, guys, did. think I mean, about what, this what, album. It, yeah. it changed the game. This is the album that put them in a the match. Totally changed. Number, the well, first, I mean, the totally first, changed. But you know, well. Yeah, first number one. It was the first <laughs> album that actually charted all over in more countries. So this is like you know what they had two for for this album. What's the one that made it? This was the money maker. Well, yeah, 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 yeah. But it puts it over the edge because you know in Europe they're like you know I mean Europeans are like no this is funny. It's like they're they're having fun. Like like we said, it's like a horror movie or yeah. something. But yeah. in, but, but in, 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 in America. The States, they, they, yeah, it became a, the, the they, religious they, people right. were accusing them of being Satanists. They, they, freak, they now, freaked out. Yeah. I, I, I got to mention, though, because they, they would, you know, during the making of this album, right. there was a couple of strange little incidents that happened. Oh, man. All right, like, they would be in the studio, and the lights would start going off and on. For oh, man, you're speaking my language. And, so, and, and not only yeah. that, Martin Birch got into a little car accident. Oh, that's and right. And he got prison. He got presented with a bill that was for six hundred. Oh my God, you're so right. And and the re- <laughs> and they were recording it, and they're like, "We just yeah. that's a best take all day, guys." And they're like, "Um, they play the tape back, and they're like, it didn't record." Yeah. <laughs> right, they had right. They wasted yeah. the whole day. Yeah, the, the devil, the yeah. devil's afoot. Yeah. <laughs> right, and this was, and actually, that was before they released the album. So something was. No, I forgot about that car accident. That bill. Yeah. But no, that, that, yeah. that no, yeah. that's good. That's good. Now, one thing that changed too with this album, since it was Bruce Dickinson's first time in the band, is is Harris would he had to change the way and he wanted to. It wasn't that he had to. He changed the way he was writing songs because he could write things knowing that Bruce had this incredible range to sing. Oh, yeah. Okay. okay. Yeah. And he didn't have that. He didn't have that with Deanna in the past. Well, it's, so it it's a new an evolution. Well, it's a new tool in your toolbox. So you want to use right. it. You want to use it, but you're like. Right. I, what what do I do with this guy? You know, and yeah. Now, interesting the, is they only had about five weeks to make this album, and they did it. They 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 they, they were kind of short on time to do it, but they did it. And uh, they would immediately go out on tour. It was called uh, the Beast on the Road. Yeah. yeah no. 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 And you're it right. Would, it would. God, that, right. It, it it brought them to Japan. It brought them to Australia. Uh-huh. Uh, the rest of Europe and America. Now they headlined this time at the Reading Festival, um, and they when they got to America, like I said, they had a problem with Christian activists and stuff like that, accusing them of being Satanists. Yeah. But you know what was happening was that they might have been burning their records 
but for every record that was burned, there was probably a thousand bought. Yeah. Well, okay. And they were selling they were selling shit like crazy. No, Bruce is on and, record as saying, Well, they gotta buy it before they can burn it. And I was like, that's, that's a good attitude. <laughs> that's, true. <laughs> that's true. That's true. And he just was, yeah, yeah, I mean, he's on record too saying, you know, it it brought us nothing but uh, yeah, he's a sharp guy. And but but yeah, nah, he's no but idiot. that that yeah. was a weird era. I mean, I remember I, I, I don't know, I just remember that and uh No, I mean know. you had like Ozzy's suicide solution. And, oh sure! And, oh, and Judas you know, Priest oh, went. To, I mean, Ju- Judas yeah. Priest went to court over it, right? Yeah. Right. Um, right. But yeah, but um, in, in, in now in December of '82, Clive Burr would be fired. Okay. Yeah. And he would be replaced with uh, Nico McBrain, who's been with them ever since. Yeah. Yep. All yep. right. Uh, he's with them today, and uh, he had played prior in a band called Trust. Trust. They were Trust. they were kind of French and political. Yes, yes, yeah, and he likes, they were French, yeah. yeah. Um, In early 83, the band would then go down to the Bahamas to record at the Compass Point Studios. Uh, This would be their fourth studio album called Peace of Mind. To record my favorite album. That's your favorite album? It really is. No, I mean, Quest for Fire is garbage, but everything else, man, to tame a land... The Trooper, Flight of Icarus. Flight of Icarus, Where Eagles Dare. Well, and again, I cut my teeth learning how to play these guitar parts. Um, I just... Revelations. Oh, Revelations. Good God. Bruce soars on that. So for me, pound for pound, my favorite album. Uh, A lot of people say that, okay? And a lot of people... That's just me. Hardcore Maiden fans kind of... You know, they'll say the first four albums are the best. Well, I was, you know, after. Do you do you do you agree with that, or do you go a little further? Or? I'm sorry, say that again. I'm sorry. I said, do you, do you agree with that first four as being the best, or do you think going into Power Slave and stuff like well, that? Well, God, I do love good. Power Slave. You know what? I like. Power no, you know what? Now yeah. that you mentioned it, man, I might be like, I'm. We were talking about the first album. Um, but like I said, it, it always just sounded a little cheap to me, and Paul Paul yeah. didn't sound as good as he could have. So I kind of start with Killers, and then okay. Number of the Beast, and Peace of Mind, and Power Slave. That's my big four. Okay, yeah. okay, I give that's, you that. That's, give you that. that's now, my now, four. That's my big. Four. Now, now, Peace of Mind during that uh, when that was released, they they were actually starting to get a little bit of airplay. Okay, a little bit of radio. Uh, yeah, on hard rock radio, a little bit. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh-huh. And uh, the album would make it to number three in the UK and number 14 in the United States. Now, interesting enough, um, Eddie, being their mascot, always came out on stage and, and obviously on the album covers, T-shirts. They killed him off on this tour. This was when they, well, they Eddie, Eddie would be knocked down okay. and, and Bruce would, would rip his brain okay. out like, from the inside. All right. I'm glad you brought this up because people forget the storyline. And I, I don't think really people got it. But yeah, they kind of they yeah. killed him on that tour. But then Power Slave, he became an Egyptian uh, deity. Yeah. yeah, like, like he, an Egyptian god mummy. Kind a resurrection of. Yeah. kind of syndrome or whatever. But uh, yeah. yeah, but... Uh, but man, um, I gotta give it to you know when I, I think when Nico joined the band for me, I love Peace of Mind, and I was um, I was kind of worried about a sophomore slump like every band. But uh, Nico's second record, Power Slave, he really shines on it, and it was a very different 
album, you know. It, it, you know? it was. They would evolve yeah. a lot, especially in the production on that album. I guess. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, I, I, I think that I, I love the, the sound of Power Slave, just the uh, Birch and everything. Man, I'm with can... you. I'm with you. And I love, I mean, Peace of Mind has a rawness that is really dirty and wonderful. Yeah. But, uh, but uh, Power Slave has like a crispness to the guitar yeah. sounds and the drums sound better. And I think they uh, just kind of tuned it in, and and Nico really shines on that for me. So. Yeah, yeah, very good drumming on that. Yeah. Now we'll talk about Power Slave, which would be their next album. The artwork for this album is just totally iconic because of its ancient Egyptian themes. Yeah, uh, and and all of that would be incorporated into the the live set. Now, Rob, oh yeah, this is incredible, incredible that. set, man. Yeah, like, yeah. I mean, it was. You know, man, I wish I'd seen that tour. Yeah, so yeah, I wish I did too, man. I I, I didn't see them on that. So well, so we're going back to Derek Riggs, but so you've got this great artist, and then but then you have then you have money behind the whole thing, and Maiden was doing yeah. well, but to just be able to produce that show. But but one thing one thing I gotta mention, they were doing very well at this point, but the 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 the, the production that they brought into the live shows on the Power Slave, which would be called the World Slavery. Show, yeah. Okay, uh, they they had to basically live very cheaply on that tour. Oh yeah, okay? yeah. I don't I don't uh, think there 13, was a lot of pocket money. Months, a, Thirteen uh, months of of grueling uh -huh. worldwide touring. Yeah. with this gigantic set that you had to bring with you everywhere. Now, one thing one thing to to mention is they actually started the tour in Poland. Oh, you know what? They sure and, did. And, yeah, yeah, and 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 and. Rob, I don't know if, if you knew this, but bands like at the level of Iron Maiden, they, they didn't play behind the Iron Curtain. Well, thank you. Some of these people had okay. never seen this kind of production. They, 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 knew, you know, they had and, never and what's, seen a what's, show like this. You know, yeah. No. And, and actually, to be honest with you, they probably didn't see anything for quite a few years nah. after that that even equaled power. Well, how do you, how do right, you because, top it? <laughs> yeah, how you do know, you put I mean, they, you know, some ba bands, when they did go behind iron curtain in those days they would go with the bare minimum just the bare set you know whatever instruments yeah. they needed but yeah but, get but in get out they didn't cut, they get in get yeah. out kind of thing but they went to poland where they had this and again here was a fan base that never saw the band live yeah only you know had to buy their shit on the black market no, okay. and remember, yeah. remember in those days you couldn't buy jeans behind. Oh the no, Iron you're Kirk absolutely right. No, market. it was like the, it was like holding the yes. World Cup there that year. You know, I mean, it, it was yeah. a major event. Yeah, yeah. So they 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 did they did a show. I, I think it was in Warsaw, and uh, it was it was huge. It went fantastic, and they they said that you know there was a lot of security there. Okay, but the security was all lined up in front of the stage. But after a couple of songs, they all loosened up and because they were all fans. Okay, you know what? Okay. You know what, right, buddy? You're totally right. I was just watching this video the other night, and they were fans. So the security were like, I love this song. <laughs> yeah, and they were throwing their hats on stage. Yeah, and they, were, they and, all ended up and, having the time of their lives, you know? Yeah, yeah. And, and, and what they did is the band collected all these hats. Okay. Right. Okay, for these security guards. And because it was like, you know, like a, 
you know, a, a Soviet yeah. kind of hat, right? Sure. Yeah. So, so uniform hat. So they wanted to keep it. They tried to bring it back. Yeah. Well, and when they got to the, <laughs> when they got to the check when they got to the checkpoint, they had like a whole box full of oh, hats no. that they had to give back. It's like, no, these can't these can't go. No, I love it. Well, so, they're probably all in Bruce Dickinson's man cave now, and he's like, I collect. I, probably. Yeah, yeah, well, you know, yeah, he's he's yeah. a nut. Yeah. <laughs> Again, they did. They did a hundred and ninety. Yeah, they even went shows. to Japan. They were what in Japan? Yeah, twenty-eight countries. Yeah, that's a thing. Okay, that's a thing. Over thirteen months. And no, they they're they they're just an incredibly uh, they're working band and. Uh, and again, you got to go back to Steve Harris on this, where he's like, uh, "We got to keep moving," and uh, I, I, that's yeah. a grueling schedule. But they've been able to but keep it up for years. They they, they played they played in front of three point five million people. Can you imagine? Yeah, and it was, the, it, yeah. it was it was it was it was the first time they also ended up yeah. in South America. They never played down there. Well, that can... they did the rock. No, you know how many that. shows they did? Okay. They did hundred and ninety three shows. Yeah, no, that 193 shows. Yeah, it can't be overstated. It can't be overstated. And when they go to South yeah. America, man, those people light up. They love them down there. Well, the first yeah. time they played at the Rock and Rio Festival, okay, I believe Queen was yeah, on Queens, yeah. as well. All well, right. yeah, I they, think they had they, Scorpions. Uh, right, you know, Scorpions. There was another another couple bunch of, of big bands. There, but, yeah, right, right. Maybe Def Leppard. Yeah, that was probably uh, that. Was, they was three. They played in front of three hundred thousand. Yeah. Can you imagine that crowd? <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, I, you know, Dickinson has said like, I forget if it was Harris or Dickinson. I think it was Dickinson has said like, you know, at one point he he couldn't believe how many people were there, and he tried to back up on the stage to try to see the end of the people. Man. You know, like where does this? Now end? you're speaking and my it language. Was just, you know, I, it was yeah. an endless, endless sea of people. no. You can't even see the horizon. It's no. just more no. people, and they are all jumping and singing "Run to the Hills" with you. Can you imagine how how good does that yeah. feel? Yeah, <laughs> and nobody and, and, and nobody died. Uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, Thank yeah. God. You know. Yeah. Because they would have, they would have shows where people would be killed. Oh yeah, I, I, unfortunately, I, uh, sadly, I did do some research on that, and they, yeah, but uh, well, yeah. you get that many people together, bad things happen. But uh, but right. Iron Maiden fans, um, uh, for what it's worth, they're not, uh, they're just uh, good metalheads, man. They're not violent people. But uh, yeah, anyway. Um, that, yeah. Let me ask you something. Do you find that that Iron Maiden shows are kind of like a sausage fest? Uh, well, I'm, well, not. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah no, I do. I do. It's it's way, way more guys than girls there, right? Oh, uh, of course, of course. But uh, I, yeah. I mean, I'll say this. You know, I'll, I'll put in Iron Maiden, and uh, my wife likes it. So that's all I care. Okay. That's all I care about. <laughs> that's cool. That's cool. That's um, cool. But yeah, a little bit, a little bit. Yeah, you know? a little bit. But like but it's yeah. not like Rush or you know, it's not, no, it's not that bad. You know, it's not that bad. Yeah, yeah. I mean, Rush, but, uh, Rush is definitely a sausage. Fest. I, and they sadly they kind of are yeah you know? yeah, um, yeah now now what would happen with this tour is these guys like i said 13 months playing for all these shows they would be burned out basically and dickinson actually at the end of the tour said if i don't get a couple months off i'm leaving. yeah he kind of had a meltdown which he, he, with he, he did, is, he is well documented but <laughs> but it uh, for me that kind of felt early i was like oh my god bruce is burned out and uh but then adrian was kind of right behind him 
you know. I think they all will. Well, I, I mean, yeah. you, you can't blame the guys. but uh, no, no, I mean, it, I think after a while you start to like just. I just need a break from the whole. You don't even know where you are. Yeah, I don't want to get a divorce, know? but I definitely need a break. Yeah, they're definitely. <laughs> and, well, there you go. Because in those days, I mean, you're you married to a fucking band, right? So, yeah, but these guys had wives and girlfriends, okay? Yeah. And, and if you were away. For thirteen months, oh you were away. God. There were no, there were no cell phones. There was no Skype. Nope, there's none of that shit. So, like, if, if you had a serious girlfriend, it was like, all right. I'll oh, see forget you about it, it guys. Try, yeah. Guys, try to manage your personal life with that schedule. It's impossible. Oh no, I'm impossible. No, I would have been. Uh, Katie would have left me for dead. Uh, but, but yeah, <laughs> they, they, it's a, it's too much to manage. But uh, you know, again, uh, blind ambition and Steve Harris. Uh, yeah, but. Uh, yeah, I, I think it was just overwhelming for Definitely. for at any age, you know. But they would get that time off, and then in '86, yeah, the band re- kind of relaxed and regrouped a little bit. Well, I think they and learned how to take a break, and like, if- but they didn't really because they relaxed. But Dickinson was was writing new material, and it came time to record a new album. All right, All right. they were taking it easy, but they were still writing. His material that he wrote got rejected. And he was kind of a little down about that because he had wanted to kind of change directions for the band a little well, bit. Well, that's he, it. He, he he had some he, acoustic songs yeah, laying around. Yeah, he had some acoustic songs. And he was like, that, how about this? And they were like, fuck, no. I don't, nah, 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 nah. Right. Didn't work. Uh, didn't that's work. not kind so of sh- Iron Maiden fan. He was shot down, but he, took it, but he he took it in stride. I don't think he got that pissed off about it. Mm-hmm. Um, but on this new record that would come out, Okay, he wouldn't get any writing credits at all. Oh well, this would be somewhere in time. No, oh, well, that's uh, God. Did he not get any credit on that? Not, not on that album. Well, that, no, okay, get okay. Well, and uh, you know, pound for pound, uh, I like that album. It was not Power Slave, but it's a Harris album. I, it is a Harris. Yeah. Well, it, and it's very it, much an Adrian and, and Adrian because uh, Adrian Adrian wrote Wasted Years. I mean, okay. He at, on it's, it's an incredible song. It's poppy, yeah. and that's and the, going back to Urchin. That's kind. Of, that's how Adrian writes. Um, uh-huh. But uh, and his backing vocals, man, you can't take yes. that away from the guy. Um, and, and one thing you have to mention about somewhere in time, which would be released in September of '86, is that. It was the first album they did that had guitar synthesizer. That's a thing, yeah. And I think that uh, was maybe it, a little bit of an Adrian thing. It might have yeah. been. Uh, it, it definitely layered their sound. Well, I'm just saying there's not uh, a whole in, lot in of Dave Murray on that record, put it that way. Yeah. You, you don't you yeah. don't get his shredding solos on that record, uh, but right. but you get a whole lot of Adrian Smith's writing, which I enjoy. But uh, yeah. it's, a, it's a very different record, you know. Well, it is. And I think they might have you know, lost a few and gained a few fans over it. But yeah, but the album cover, if you look at it, it's good to take off a blade. Runner. Oh, of course. Okay. No. Yeah. And it had like, you know, if you look at it, you know, Eddie's obviously on the cover, but you have like all these references to other oh, albums. Oh, it's got all these uh, Easter eggs in it. Yeah. Yeah. Little things yeah. in the cover. It's like a lot to look yeah. at. Now there is actually websites that are dedicated to Iron Maiden I guess you could say Easter eggs. Yeah. <laughs> or or like Iron Maiden, like little Eddie things that are 
that you know link the albums together. Yeah. There's a whole cult, there's a there's a there's a cult following. Iron Maiden that, nerds, that, that, yeah. Right. That's almost like it's almost as popular as the actual music. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. It's like, like, uh, you look at yeah, it. Yeah. Well, have, have yeah. you heard the album? <laughs> yeah. Uh, right. Did you just look at it? Or yeah. yeah I mean, listen to the record. Right. Yeah. Right. Oh, that's funny. But one thing they would do on this tour, because again. You know, it was it was write a record, record a record, tour a record. Everything was in in sequence. Yeah. Um. They 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 would bring these like inflatable zeppelins. Well, see, so when I'm I'm glad you brought this up. So the first time I saw Iron Maiden was on the Somewhere in Time tour, and I think I saw him in Hampton, Virginia. I want to say. Okay. Um. So okay. so um. But but it was an inflatable thing, you know, and it was it, the whole Blade Runner thing and all that. Um, and it, 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 I don't know, I, I, looking back, I really enjoy that record now, but it was weird at the time because I was getting into thrash metal more and li- yeah, it was kind of not that. I, yeah. While well, I was listening to Voivod and stuff like that. And, and right. so my, my, uh, I guess my climate changed, you know, as far as what I was listening to, but, um, but it was a hell of a show. <laughs> yeah. yeah um and well it had and, uh, and a good record didn't it have like inflatable hands yeah on the yeah. on uh, on either side of the stage yeah. that they would kind of be in at one point it, honestly michael it just felt a little silly to me yeah. um yeah. and uh inflatables inflatables don't usually go uh, well yeah okay <laughs> okay it was only- unless you're unless the only the only time <laughs> i can the only time i can remember a uh, concert where inflatables went well was when the Stones had the giant inflatable penis. Oh well, that okay. Well, who can uh, deny like that? 80, yeah. It, yeah, that was like the like the uh, tattoo you tour. Oh yeah, or something man, like that. man, cause just holding yeah. it like, hey. Yeah, he was like riding it. He's like riding it. Yeah, no, uh, yeah, it's 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 big. <laughs> uh, it's not that big, but it's you big. know, Cy- yeah, Cypress Hill big. had that inflatable Buddha. It was oh, a big giant Buddha, <laughs> and then when it inflated, it would be throwing out weed packets everywhere. Well, I was gonna say, he probably had, <laughs> yeah, he probably had weed coming out of. Yeah, his it was insane. Uh, <laughs> I bet that smelled good that yeah. night. Yeah. Oh yeah, I nice saw I saw Hill, and they put a hell of a show. Those guys. Wow! Wow! Now this album was considered experimental, but yeah, um, they would continue with that a little bit further and push the envelope. And that would be 1988's release, Seventh Son of the Seventh Son. Which I, uh, I've been enjoying lately, which, uh, yeah. which looking, uh, you know, when I look back, I, again, I was getting into other kinds of music. But uh, now that I, I go back and listen to it, I really enjoy it. And the thing about Seventh Son is uh, Iron Maiden, they did great in America. You know, they put out live at af- this point. Live after yeah, death, at this point, they were very big. Live after death. I mean, they they uh, conquered America, but in Europe, that was on the charts, yeah. which people people forget. It was number one, and yeah, went number one. And seven, 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 so seven. America Americans don't know this, but it was it was really. I mean, Iron Maiden had become such a force in Europe, and not only England. But um, yeah, it really it pushed them over the top uh, in that market, you know? right? Now I gotta mention now, Seven Son of a Seven Son was based on this 1987 novel by Orson Scott Card. Yep, it was a concept uh, album. A concept album, and the idea kind of came from the book where you have the idea of the power of a seventh son of a seventh son, the clairvoyant. 
the, right yeah. now the clair, like the song the clairvoyant yeah. but uh yeah. but the idea was that if somebody was the seventh son of a seventh son you had they, they were had they had power, you had, had special powers. powers yeah and uh yeah su- supernatural powers. yeah yeah say. so and, and yeah. you know uh, you know with me and iron maiden I, I had kind of outgrown that kind of fiction you know, yeah. in my yeah. in my music, okay, Michael. So you can appreciate that, but it, <laughs> but it was still a cool idea. And now looking back, I'm like, actually, this is great. <laughs> so, well, I mean, I remember when it came out, and you couldn't get away from the song "Can I Play yeah. with Madness." Oh yeah, that yeah. was that was on that was on Everywhere. MTV like every hour. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Uh, yeah. The, the other the other the other track would be uh, "The Evil That Men Do" and "The Clairvoyant." Both of them were hits, and and. That album, like you say, got to number one in the UK, but you know, it got to twelve in the United States. So they were still, they, they, it was still kind of a force here. I didn't realize it hit twelve here. That's, it got that's... to number twelve. Well, can I? Let me let me just say this. But the opening track, "Moonchild," that's uh-huh. that's a great track. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh. And, and, you know, they, they <laughs> sound check. The sound would change a little bit. Well, they kind of okay. They they, they, they brought they brought in synthesizers. Yeah, well, a, yeah, a little bit, but uh, but yeah. but they uh, they had already kind of messed with that with uh, somewhere in time with the guitar synths, and yeah. and again that was kind of Adrian. And I think they were looking to branch out and just try some new things. But yeah. uh, uh, again, um, it's just funny how it, it for me it aged well. So I, I like Seven Sun now. But I, it is. I, it's a strong album. I, it holds I wasn't up. crazy about it when it came out, you know. But yeah, uh, I, I think that the music scene in general had changed at that point. You had by 86, 87, you had bands like, you know, you mentioned Voivod, but even like Anthrax, Metallica. Oh, sure. Yeah. Uh, no. Megadeth. Well, there was so uh, much good stuff coming out. And, and, yeah. and for me, like heavy music was, uh, I mean, Iron Maiden for me, you know, since I started at, at Killers, pretty much, right. um, I wanted them to be heavy. And when they got melodic, that kind of changed the landscape for me. And yeah, and I want I wanted heavier music, but uh, you know, I, I, and and there was a heavier genre. Yeah, right? oh yeah, metal that, oh, yeah, that yeah. you know was really kind of oh, filling my God. that. Rain, Rain and blood came out when I was sixteen. Yeah. Good God! <laughs> wow, wow, huh. wow. But uh, now, but yeah, during this tour, okay, for Seven Sun, they ended up headlining the monsters of rock festival they did uh, this this was in the donnington park area in england and august 20th 1988 would be uh you know sadly a, a bad date for them they would they would play with david lee roth they would play with kiss megadeth guns and roses and halloween uh halloween festi- <laughs> halloween <laughs> yeah the festival was kind of marred with violence through the whole thing they did have and that they did and, have and some then problems. during yeah then during Guns N' Roses, uh, two fans, I believe, got crushed when when the the crowd kind of surged and during during the Guns N' Roses. No, you're right. I actually remember this. And, yeah, uh, well, you remember well, that being on TV and stuff. Leave yeah. it to Guns N' Roses, man. No, just they probably could have just just not invited them. But that's my opinion. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and they kind of didn't fit into that. Whole I've thing, nev- look at the I've ne- never been crazy about Axl Rose, but that's me. I, you know, um, we we did a show last year on uh, or early this year, it might have been uh, very early this year on like the making of Appetite for Destruction. I mean, great record, but yeah, you know. and I, it, I think it's 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 you know a, a timeless kind of album. Um, but you know, 
even in just researching that album, you, you just realize Axel's a dick. I, yeah, I mean, just, I, and, yeah. and look, I'm a dick. We've all said it. I'm, <laughs> I, I called you a dick. That's right. Well, and you were right. And you were right. But man, and that was on your fucking birthday. I, called I you. know. Hey, <laughs> happy birthday. Happy birthday. And you're a dick. You know what? You know what the part was? Axel. <laughs> Axel and Nevada had two things. They wanted to be. They didn't want to be famous, and they got famous overnight. Well, I, I I reject that whole thing, Rob. I hate when bands. That was the whole grunge thing. Is oh, I hate my guns I hate are, my fame. Guns no, are fuck out of like no. too. They had that thing. Yeah, a little bit. He was like a professional. He couldn't believe that that album. Then he always tried to do another appetite for destruction and fail because I'm fucking. Well, they 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 said that they wanted to be on the same level as Motorhead. Good luck nah, with that. Uh, I'm sorry, uh, I gotta uh, go with that, I gotta go with Rob on nah. this a little bit. Look, look. Yeah. I mean, Axel, he was a hell of a singer, and Appetite is an almost look perfect yeah. record, and, and I'm okay with that. But uh, but uh, uh, the guy was a dick. <laughs> he was a dick. Yeah. But you know, it's like it, it. It's sad because they really only got one good album. Well, that's a, yeah. Lightning doesn't you know, strike twice, does it? Yeah, you know, and they have this reputation, <laughs> but it's really just appetite because use your illusion oh, is trash. mostly garbage. I, I'm sorry, I, I gotta agree with that. But yeah, but the thing is, uh, look, just to get back on track, but with Iron Maiden, lightning struck a bunch of times. <laughs> I, I think there was a lot more talent. Yeah. There. Well, there were, better, there were better. There were better musicians. Well, I, you know, I've, and the thing about Iron Maiden, you know, they like they got their trooper beer out. I think they like to have a good time, but I don't think they were partying the whole time. And that's uh, I don't think Steve know, Harris. Other than, I don't think other Steve than hearing Harris, about Deano, other than hearing about Deano diving into a mountain of cocaine. Yeah. I don't recall any <laughs> of them really like you know having. Serious issues. Well, Michael, no, Steve Harris will fire your ass. <laughs> no, yeah. you, know, you know what they well, did? Yeah. They drank, yeah. they drank a lot more than used drugs. So they were big drinkers. They were all big boozers. Yeah, uh, yeah right. Yeah. They were big drinkers, which doesn't really I mean, destroy your voice no, as quick as cocaine. No, they're like Bruce Dickinson. Look, they're English guys. They're, they're, you know, no, they go to drink. No secret. They like their drinks. But, uh, but yeah, Paul Diano, whatever. Maybe he, you know, maybe he got a little wayward, but, uh, but like I said, I think Steve would just fucking give you your walking papers if you fucked up too much. You know? Yeah. So, I th- so. and, and and I think they understood that. So they kind of walked the line. Oh, I'd be. I, no, you're walking. Yeah. No, you're fear. Uh, I'd be in fear. I'm like, I, man. I, I hope I can be in this band tomorrow. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Now they would. They would get a. They would get a break in '89. Okay. Uh, Adrian Smith put out an album with his side project ASAP. ASAP, uh, it was in, I actually right. It was called Silver and Gold. Yeah, I actually right. I, and, I listened to some of that last night. It's not terrible. Um, yeah, I don't think I've ever heard. that. I prefer Psycho yeah, Motel, which he also okay. he also had a band called Psycho Motel, which was <laughs> a little more interesting. But yeah, no. Uh, no, it's kind of fun to see the, these side projects. And, you know, a- right. well, Adrian and Bruce, when they left, uh, they pretty much left together and rejoined together. But uh, Bruce and Adrian, I think, did. I think Adrian worked on one of Bruce's solo records. Yeah, yeah. I think they were collaborating. Yeah. The, the Tattooed Millionaire album. I think, uh, yeah, they weren't. Something like they that. Were, yeah, Tattooed Millionaire. They weren't ready to break yeah. up. <laughs> yeah. Now, now, 
when 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 uh when Silver and Gold from from Smith came out, yeah. Dickinson was actually working on Tattooed Millionaire. Okay, and he had a guitar player named Yannick Gares with her. Well, uh, enter Yannick Gares. Right, right. Now, to commemorate their 10-year anniversary as a band, Iron Maiden put out a collection called The First 10 Years. It was 10 CDs and double 12-inch singles released over a period between February 24th and April 28th, 1990. It was like every week something was coming out. That's crazy. I didn't even know. Yeah. I got to look yeah. that up. <laughs> yeah, they're, they're, they're collectibles. <laughs> oh, okay, okay. Yeah, now Harris would rally his troops again and he would get together for a new album shortly after but there would be a problem because adrian smith was not liking this new direction that 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 uh harris wanted to take well and he wanted to he wanted to strip it down well the reason adrian left in the first place is that uh yeah i think after seventh son he was like i don't uh, he felt like he didn't have anything to contribute, and uh, artistically, you know, people joke about that, but uh, I think he just didn't feel like it was a good fit. Well, I, it wasn't I, I a good think, fit for him anymore, you know. Yeah, you know? I, I think what what had happened is is Harris felt like, okay, this is about as progressive as we can go. Yeah. Okay. And Smith wanted to take it further, right? And I think Harris was like, well, it's not going to work, and. You know, I don't know with keyboards or guitar synthesizers or whatever they would think. I don't know. I don't know what Smith was intending to do. No, this is a good. Okay. This is a good point because I think yeah. Smith. Um, and you know, you had you had Harris, who was always a primary writer. I mean, he wrote the lyrics. You know, yeah. uh, he wrote the bass parts. He wrote all the songs. But I think yes, once Smith started getting his legs, um, maybe it was like uh, I don't know. If, you know, it could have. It want, could have been I, like I you know try something uh, else. I want to try. Right. It could have just been like, listen, I made a solo. Well, as a, like this direction. Yeah, as an artist, man, you want to stretch out. You know. So right, uh, right. Now he would leave over this, and, and uh, he did. They, he did. They did. But and, he and, came, and, when he came back, he brought Bruce with him. Yes. Yeah. And that's like that's a few years away. But but Bruce is still in the band and Smith left and now they bring in Yannick Gares, yeah, who had worked with Bruce on his solo project. Um the eighth studio album that they would go and make now is called No Prayer for the Dying. Yeah, and yeah. And all right. Not now, my that favorite would be, record. Yeah. Well, um it's it's it it didn't yeah, I think it didn't it didn't settle well in with a lot of Maiden fans. Well, I listened to it last night, and it's it's not a bad record. Okay, not really. No, no, no you just you're, you're preaching to the pastor here because it, that's yeah. when I had kind of a break with him because I was like, I think a lot of people. Well, I was like, Adrian's out, and I think uh, you had a yeah. break with the fans, and it was like, this is not my Iron Maiden anymore. Like, um, I'm already kind of checking out. And I've got other bands I'm listening to, but um, I, I might. Harris wanted to make. Harris wanted to make a. He wanted to make a a a straight ahead, almost live in the studio type of album. Okay. And what he would do, I mean, they would go, they would record it in a barn. Oh, okay. 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 It was an actual barn, I think, on his property, and he borrowed the Rolling Stones mobile truck. Okay. Well, see, this and is great. To, I, I, yeah, I need to, to make I, I need this to, album. I need to give it another chance. It sounds yeah, like, I yeah. mean, I mean, a lot of people use that that Stones mobile truck over the years, and they made some great records. Okay. 
Um, it would come out, they would record this between June and September of 90. Okay. And it would come out in October of that year. Okay. Um, but again, it's, it's a straightforward kind of, some people compare it in, in the direction of killers, but it, it's not, it's not as good as that record. Right. Um, but the problem was, was the, 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 the change, the way he wrote these songs, Harris, he didn't take into consideration so much of, of Dickinson's range. So Dickinson sounds different on this album. He's got like a raspier kind of voice. Oh, it's got a little different uh, production. It's not as it's not as operatic as, as okay, yeah. if, that, if that's the right word. Well, you know, for 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 his kind of sound. So that probably uh, that probably also rubs people the wrong way. Like he doesn't. Yeah, yeah it, it doesn't sound like Bruce. It wasn't like you know metal. I, I got gotcha. you. No, I yeah. got gotcha. you. I got gotcha. you. Yeah. yeah. So there was a guy named Michael Kenny who was Harris's bass tech. Uh, he ended up playing keyboards on this album. They didn't hire an actual keyboardist. He kind of filled in. Okay. Um, it was it was more keyboards. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> All right. Now this was the first album they wrote that that kind of uh, featured political themes and topics such as like religious exploitation. Uh, the song "Holy Smoke." Was, oh God, was about I, that. man! I love to hate that song. Holy smoke! This is no yeah. joke. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's totally, totally different kind of it's thing. It's ridiculous, but yeah. I do like yeah. it. Yeah. yeah. Now, the album also featured a track called Bring Your Daughter to the Slaughter. And I know that as now, well. Also, yes. all... well, you, it was, that's because it was in Nightmare on Elm Street yeah. 5, the Dream Child soundtrack. Oh, my God. Right? Yeah. Dream yeah. Child. Yeah. The Dream Child. That's probably the worst. Michael, I almost forgot about that. Yeah, we're like, yeah. well, how much did they pay for that damn song? <laughs> it was actually meant. I mean, what to be... was was docking busy? Do- yeah, docking <laughs> would have been like next, you know, Plan B. Uh, but well, but earlier Dickinson wrote that song, okay, <laughs> and and it was meant to be <clears throat> on his solo album, okay. But but Harris somehow. You know, told him, listen, save it for for a maiden. Let me commandeer this fucking track. Yeah, yeah, yeah. and that's what that's what he did. And oh, um, my. that is so funny. Yeah. Now, after another tour, um, they took some time off, and then they regrouped again in '92 for the next album called "Fear of the Dark." It was their ninth record. Not a bad. It record. Came out. Not a... Nope. Not definitely. Definitely. Uh, they back on track with that one. Yeah. Um, yeah. Released in May of '92. It was recorded all year at Barnyard again. Okay. Okay. Uh, Martin Birch again. Uh, he was he was at the helm, but he would retire after this album. Okay. All right. This would be the last one, and this one was actually co-produced by Harris as well. And this is a uh, well. Let me ask a question. Fear the dog. Well, let me ask a question. But this is is Yannick Gears. Uh, playing yeah. second guitar on Fear of the Dark, yes. right? Yeah. Yes. Okay. Yes. No, yes. He's on that record. You know, I've listened to it, uh, but it, uh, again, I'm so kind of, uh, this is where I was kind of checking out, but, uh, but I, you know, Yannick, I don't hate him. He's a good guitar player. But uh, um, anyway, please continue. Well, I mean, you, you know, you had, you had some tracks on here, uh, Be Quick or Be Dead. Mm-hmm. Okay, that was almost a thrash metal-y kind of song. That's actually, yeah, that's a good song. I remember that. Yeah, I remember uh, that one. Wasting, Wasting Love was their first power battle. Oh, that, yeah, that was like a love song. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, afraid, afraid, afraid to Shout. Oh, I'm sorry, Afraid to Shoot, excuse me. Okay. Uh, that was, Afraid to Shoot was about a Gulf War soldier. 
I'll have to look that one up. But yeah, yeah, okay. yeah. Okay. the because the Iraqi the the first Iraqi war was happening. Yeah, well, give it to Bruce, man. He loves his history. I mean, yeah, yeah. I wish he had been my that. history teacher in high school. <laughs> I might have fucking learned something. <laughs> exactly. You know? Yeah. Oh man. Yeah. Uh, another another track. Um, was called Fear is the Key. Okay. All right. And that was a song about AIDS. Oh, All right. Well, uh, well, we, a... weekend, we, weekend Warriors was about football hooligans. Man, you got all the deep cuts, Michael. I love it. Yeah. <laughs> no problem. I mean, it, 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 it was kind of like it was kind of like a a back on track kind of record for them. That's the way I see it. Okay, because I think they were spinning their wheels with the one before that. But anyway, you know? but they got Yannick, and they're still. I mean, Adrian came back in what was it ninety nine? Uh, I think so. And, right, right, right. When 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 Dickinson came back, ninety eight. 98, 99, they got rid of what we're going to talk about, Bailey. Okay. Yeah. Well, we got it. We got We got to talk about him. Yeah. Uh, sure. So, oh, what would yeah. Blaze uh, Bailey. Who, Blaze? No, Blaze. No, yeah. Blaise, I'm, just, uh, I'm afraid to talk about him. Yeah. No, I'm just kind of, uh, he's really not on my timeline, man. I kind of, I try to ignore him. <laughs> I, I had totally tuned out at this point, but in, in, in 93, Dickinson would announce that he was leaving the band. Yeah. Okay. Yep. He, he was done. Now, he agreed to remain kind of on for a farewell tour and to record two live albums. I think they had contractually obligation, you know, obligated to. Okay. Uh, but uh, the first one was called A Real Dead One. I remember it featured that. featured yeah. tracks from 86 to 92. Okay. And then they also had A Real Dead One. And that featured tracks from 80 to 84. A real dead one. I, yeah, I right. remember that. What they were doing sometimes on their shows is they would just concentrate. And they do this to this day. They, they, they concentrate on one era. Well, they okay. do. And they record everything, these guys. They're always coming yeah. out with a video. And, you know, these guys. Well, they, yeah. that's all for the fans. I mean, and also it's, it's, it's very, you know, it's easy to make a live record. I mean, you could just well, and they, well, they know they can sell the hell out of sell it. Sell it. That's so, the thing. Absolutely. People buy live Iron Maiden albums probably as much as they buy the studio. Sure, no. which is which is rare because some bands find that when they put out a live album, no one buys it, even if they're even if they're a popular band. Uh huh. Okay. Yeah. But, well, not everybody's as good as Iron Maiden. So, well, yeah, that's true. That's true. But also, like live albums, sometimes bands treat them as like, all right, I, you know, I got to get out of this record contract. I got one more record. Let's I, just I, I, out of line. No, no, I get it. All right, I I mean, it. bands have bands have done that a million times. Yeah. But you know, then you have other bands that that you know, jeez, uh, who put out a lot of live albums? Frank Zappa. Put out a lot of live. Albums. Oh, is that no. He was um, a yeah. He well, know, he was a force. Yeah. So uh, yeah, but you know, and and, sure. and they would put as much into that mm -hmm. as they would into a studio record. You know. Yeah. And and and, Ma and Maiden is like that. But this tour, actually, a farewell tour with Bruce, didn't go well because Harris felt that Dickinson was really only putting in a hundred percent if it was a high profile show. Well, okay. uh, well, Dickens is ambitious, and so is Harris, but. uh I can imagine. Oh, do you think they had a little power struggle? Or? I well, listen. I think. <laughs> I mean, you know, one I, thing. I, one thing I forgot. I, they're to both businessmen. I can imagine. What? 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 You know, you mentioned power struggle. One thing I forgot to mention, just going back a few years, when when Dickinson joined the band, okay. Prior to that, 
the way the Iron Maiden shows the 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 dynamic of it was is you know obviously Deano was was the front man, but you know Harris being a, even being a bass player, which is kind of rare that he would be in the spotlight, but he was, and he would he would he would run up on front of the stage. Man, I know exactly had, he, where he had, I know exactly where you're going with this. Yeah, <laughs> and he had he had he had a presence. Okay. Yeah, and it's his it's his band. I get it. When you watch these Deano live videos. Uh -huh. Harris is all over the place. Yeah, but okay. then Dickens is like, oh, yeah. Steve's got his Steve's got his foot on the monitor, trying right. to take and what would happen the is front that, of the stage, you know, right? <laughs> right. And, and and what would happen is Dickinson, in the beginning, kind of was like, you know, what the fuck? He was getting okay. butt hurt about it. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah like he would, like Harris would run by him and bang him. I with the know, bench, I love you know, it. I love it. I knew, and, and yeah. they had this little power struggle. I think Dickinson won out. Okay. Well, of course. Yeah, he's a singer. Know? He's a singer. Right. But but Steve uh, Steve jockeyed for position, didn't he? <laughs> he oh, early on, absolutely. I mean, it's, early it, it's his band. At, yeah. At the yeah, end of the yeah. day, it's his band. No. Right. Oh, right. Now the, the, the tour, like I said, it didn't go well because of that. Also, uh, Harris accused him of kind of accused Dickinson of mumbling through his lyrics sometimes if he didn't feel like singing. Oh. Uh, uh, they did their farewell uh, show. On August 28, 1993, it was actually filmed and broadcast on the BBC right. and released as a video called Raising Hell. Um, in 94, the band, you know, now they had, a, they had to audition for singers. So they were listening to a lot of cassettes people had sent them, also live auditions. Gotcha. They ended up settling in with a guy named Blaze Bailey. Mr. Blaze he, Bailey, yeah. Right. He was formerly of a band called Wolfsbane. Uh, oh, he, oh, and, that, and that band, Wolfsbane. right? That was the band he was in, and Wolfsbane actually opened for Maiden in 1990 a couple of times. Well, were they? Uh, that's so funny. I have to go back and look at that. Were they? I, were they any good? Or? I can't remember how they sound. <laughs> I, I didn't look it up. I, they, I, it's a great name. It is really, it, it, <laughs> it, Michael. It really is an awesome name, but. Uh, uh, they were probably your uh, just regular power metal. Uh, yeah, you know, you know yeah. and 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 right away Bailey got you know his vocal. Oh style well, nobody was very different. Well, nobody accepted him. Not in my nobody accepted. Not him, in my um, camp anyway. But yeah, no, yeah, no, I remember no. being like, well, this is over. You know? <laughs> yeah, um, I mean, it was like when when Van Halen got that guy from uh, Gary Sharon. Oh, uh, yeah, that was terrible. Good luck with that. that. Bag of dicks. I mean, it was bad. It was bad enough. You, it, it was bad enough. You had Sammy Hagar. Now you got this fucking. Well, guy. at least with that? Sammy Hagar, you're like, well, I know Sammy. I like Sammy. Yeah. But the Gary yeah. Sharon, yeah, it was just like, oh my God, he's all just skinny and weird looking, and we don't look. Right. We don't did, like did it. This is in. not my Van Halen. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> now the, the the tenth Iron Maiden album would 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 be ready to to be recorded. Okay. Uh, it was called the X Factor, and they had X like you know the, the Roman numeral ten yep. for that. Not a great album. record. Not, no, yeah. <laughs> no, not a great record. Uh, it was released October 9th, 1995. <laughs> yep. Uh, they recorded it pretty much all that year at Barnyard. Uh, Steve Harris and a guy named Nigel Green was brought in to produce. Well, who's Green? And, what had he done? You know, 
I think he was kind of a new a newbie. New, I think. new school metal producer. Yeah, I, I think he was. I, I, if anybody listening wants to correct me, feel free. I'm not on. No, that's fine. But maybe, but maybe not a had, not a good fit for Maiden. Sounds like I don't think he had a lot under his belt. But I could be wrong. Yeah. Um, the album was the only thing different about this album that you could say might stand out a little bit is that it, it was a darker album because Steve Harris was going through a divorce at this point. Ah. Okay, and we all know how that can ah. So so he was writing like darker songs. So he's tripping kind of yeah. he was right. Yeah, he wrote like Sign of the Cross. Well now I wanna uh, li- now I wanna listen to it and I wanna go yeah. and Steve's dark divorce period. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's like the divorce album, Oh, you know? uh, poor guy. He wrote a song called Lord of the Flies with Yannick Gares. Okay. Okay. Yeah, well you got Yannick's um, on board. Yannick's on the record. Um Edge of Darkness, and that was about Apocalypse Now, the movie. Man, I gotta listen to this damn thing now. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, you know, listen. One thing I'm about Maiden Records, actually. right? Yeah, yeah. One one thing about Iron Maiden Records is like, even if they go in this direction, and you're like, oh, who the fuck is singing? Right. You got, you got, and you know, Harris is writing the song, so you gotta at least pay a little attention to what he's singing about, and you know, things like that. It's interesting. No, uh, no, no. Well, it's true. You know, he's gonna give you something. You know, he's gonna. Now Bailey himself actually got some writing credits on that album. Oh well, good for him. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, now it went. It went to number eight in the UK. That, that's inc- well. That's crazy. Uh, well, they were still riding. Look, they were. They were still riding high. Okay. Okay. But in America, it only made it to one forty-seven. Oh, so they had dropped. This. This was a point where you didn't even hear about me. Well. Yeah. No. Again. Again. I don't. I don't mean to be a jerk, but uh, I, uh, America did not warm up to Blaze Bailey. So, you know. no. Well, I, I guess you know why? Because he actually right. sucked. Just... Right. That's Thank you, you, he sucked. <laughs> there you yeah. go. But you know, I, I'll say something, and, and, and uh, when I talk about the next album, I'll, I'll, I'll give him a little bit of sympathy. The I'll virtual one, virtual eleven, um, whatever the hell it was. Right. Right. Virtual. Now, now, virtual eleven. They in '98 they would start recording that. Okay. Um. Again with Blaze Bailey, uh, it would come out in March of that year. I can't believe and they did. Be, did they do two records with him? I can't. Yeah. Records with him. Yeah, now, it would be their lowest charting record to date. Oh, I bet. Yeah. But 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 now I say that it got to number sixteen in the UK. Well, what the hell? <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah, I'd like to have a number sixteen not, record. Well, I mean, look at us. We're number one fifty two well, in fucking I'm, Australia on the podcast. I'm, I'm, I'll take that. <laughs> oh, what? No, well, your podcast is interesting. He isn't. <laughs> All right. Oh, you. well, hey, hey. Yeah. hey you know, now, yeah. uh, but again, it, it sank like a Led Zeppelin. Yeah. Got to number 124 in America. That must be a stinker, man. I got to look that yeah. up. But, 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 but then. Okay, uh, the, the, the tracks, the, 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 the album had some songs, okay? Uh, a song called Future Real. Okay. Uh, and a song called The Angel and the Gambler. Okay, uh, it, it, which is kind of like sounds like a country song over. Yeah, okay. yeah. Uh, <laughs> Kenny, but, Kenny but Rogers, again, total, Kenny total, Rogers right, was in the right, studio yeah, that day. Right, right. Kenny Rogers jamming with him. <laughs> anyway, now ba- Bailey, um, his his big. I think people's biggest beef, and the critics would get on him with this. Is he's like a <laughs> lifeless singer. <laughs> Well, okay. he didn't. He, he didn't bring anything. He didn't look good in my book. I'm sorry. You know, yeah. I'm, I'm, he, did, he didn't. He didn't look good. But yeah. but 
the one little bit of sympathy I can get him is that, <laughs> and I can give to him, is that he had to he had to follow in the in the footsteps. Oh, that, that, it's a hard okay. shoes, which is as hard shoes. Oh to man! Yeah. And, and what would happen is on these two albums, they toured behind them, and he blew out his voice. Oh, he did. Uh, uh, kind of okay because he would be singing these songs written the way Dickinson could sing. Why? Okay, he couldn't do it. And and he had was at the end of the He didn't have uh, when, the he when, didn't when, have the pipes. When Virtual Eleven came out and they taught it, when it came to doing the older songs, he really couldn't do he it. And he was having actual problems with his voice on that tour. Oh uh, well God bless him. I'm sorry. Right. Now Here's you me. know so I mean I, I guess he gave the old college try. Okay, if you want to call it that, but 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 you know, he really wasn't the right singer. And, and Yannick Gares uh, is actually on record saying that you know part of the reason he didn't work out is because they asked him to sing out of his natural range. Well, they would they would have a band meeting in January of '99, and he would get the boot. Well, I, you know, and well, goddamn, if if you can't if you can't do it, you can't do it. But uh, I can't imagine. I mean, that's Bruce's pipes, and uh, again, uh, that those are big shoes to fill. Um, yeah, but, but uh, and, and, and the fans gonna, and the fans didn't like them. Well, so I think it was thing. just a, you know that's my thing because yeah. I like I said I I check uh, you know I mean I got into other stuff over the years but I checked back in with Maiden but when I saw this Here and there. when I saw Blaze Bailey I was like what are they doing. You know, um, yeah, but yeah, but uh, God bless him. I mean, uh, that's a uh, that's a lot of work, you know. Right, <laughs> so, right, right. And now, I'm sure he's a, I'm happened... sure he's a good singer in his own right. You know, I'm not. I don't not, know what he ever did after. I'm that. not down on the guy, but yeah, that that. Like I said, he tried. Yeah, he tried. Yeah. Well, that, yeah. that's now, a lot. That's big work. Yeah. Now, manager Rod Smallwood uh, suggested at this point bringing back Bruce Dickinson. Um, Harris kind of like was a little lukewarm to it at first, a little reluctant, Okay, but then he eventually would, would come around and agree to that. So in January of 99, uh, after they, they kicked out so, Bailey. Well, so Smallwood introduced that idea. Yeah. It came from Smallwood. They said, well, you know, what are you going to do? He's a Smallwood hell of a guy. Like, I lo- no, yeah. Got to bring, got to bring back Bruce. Bruce wasn't really doing it. Okay. From what I know. Okay. Okay. Uh, he would come back and also bring back adrian smith well, as well see, and now the interesting yeah. thing they did here is yannick gares who had replaced adrian before he actually stayed on so they they had like this three guitar attack like you said like a it's metal linen becoming a kind of thing going yeah on. yeah three yeah. three guitars yeah and it would be a reunion tour basically so they called it the ed hunter tour okay and it tied in with the greatest hits collection that they put out called the Ed Hunter collection. Okay, Ed and Hunter. He- Ed, 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 Hunter. Ed, Ed as an Ed as an Eddie. Okay, and head like Head Hunter, right? Yeah. So um, the interesting thing about this greatest hits is that it, it it was picked by fans, and it was all based around their popular website. Okay. Okay. So bands picked the songs that were going to be on this greatest hits. Yeah, like now what? Okay. I forget what's on it, but I'm sure it's yeah. A cross section of probably some of the best. No, I, yeah. I, I just uh, let me interject here because uh, when Adrian rejoined, um, uh, I, I went with an old friend of mine, this great, uh, this great guy, one of my best friends, this guy Russell. Um, but I went to an Ozfest uh, two years in a row, and it was Judas Priest and Iron Maiden and Black Sabbath. 
Uh, yeah. And th these all these these shows, both the shows were in Virginia, but uh, but I got to see Iron Maiden with Yannick Gears and Adrian Smith when he rejoined. And uh, what can I say? They killed it, you know. Yeah, and uh, yeah, I mean th these shows were classic. Yeah, all I've heard about. Yeah. Uh, Everybody was happy Bruce was back. He still had the vocal chops. Well, that's the thing. You know, you know seeing Bruce live and, uh, and you know, I, I, I don't know. I don't hate Yannick. He's not my favorite. But uh, but once he... He brings something. Well, he, do, he you know what he does, and I'm, I'm actually, I've kind of warmed up to it. But uh, but to have Adrian back, um, yeah, there were, I mean, uh, Christ, this was 10 years ago, but they were great. You know, they, yeah. they were they were great. And Bruce yeah. sounded great. And uh, you got Steve Harris, Nico McBrain. <laughs> That's a great name. Well, oh, well, it's a great. Well, name. he's such a nut, man. You got to yeah. you got to yeah. you got to. Now, 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 one thing I got to mention, too, that I found interesting. I didn't know this in, in the, until I researched this, is that when Dickinson came back, he had one little stickler that him and Harris had to agree on. And that was that he didn't want to record the new record that they were going to do at Barnyard. Okay, he just felt the sound on the last four albums that were done there. Well, sucked. why was that? Right. He just it had a bad, ex uh, he, he had a he, bad experience. He just was like, I think the first album that they did at Barnyard, like it was a barn. They were like getting hay in their fucking teeth. <laughs> okay, so it just was like, yeah, you know, they were like he, he just didn't want to fucking deal with it. No. I don't know. I, yeah. Yeah. I, yeah, I, yeah. I somehow know exactly what you mean. But yeah. So, oh, man. That's funny. So they actually went to Paris, okay, to uh, the Guillaume <laughs> Tell Studios, and they brought in producer Kevin Shirley, who worked with Rush and Journey, and uh, I think he worked with Zeppelin okay. at the end of that career. Shirley. Um, how old is he? I mean, he's not that old. I think he's maybe, at that point, he might have been in his 30s. Really? Okay. Well, yeah, he wasn't. He wasn't that. He wasn't that old. Pretty great career maybe, maybe, for. Yeah, I mean, maybe Journey maybe and Zeppelin. Jesus. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah. He started young. I think. Pretty good. Uh, now, Brave New World would come out in May of 2000. That was the next record. I'm glad you brought and it. And it was, up. you know, comeback album for Maiden. It put them back on the map at number seven in the UK, and it cracked the top 40 in America, number 39. Well, so they were back up, back up in the. I'm glad you brought it up. This is when I started checking back in. I heard uh, on Hard Rock Radio, I was hanging out with my friends, and I heard the Wicker Man. Yes. And man, and I heard Adrian, and I was like, this sounds familiar. And and uh, and I I just knew what it was, and 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 Bruce's voice, and Adrian's guitar solos, and and I I, I kind of checked back in around Wicker Man. Yeah. You know, yeah, now that was that was one of the popular tracks on it's it. It's a good um, record. It was actually a Blood song. Brothers. Yeah, yeah. It's a deep, Blood Brothers. I was just gonna mention deep that. Cut, great song, right? You know, right? Fan favorite. Well, great um, lyrics. Also, great lyrics. Right. Yeah. There was also a track called The Nomad. Oh yeah. And a track yeah. called The Mercenary. The and Mercenary. They were actually, yeah. They were leftovers from the Virtual Eleven sessions. Oh, what's it? Well, but, well, they did a redux. Thank God they did because those are yeah. You know, the Mercenary is a good song, and yeah, uh, yeah. No. I don't know. I think they were. I think they were left out. I don't think they were ever actually recorded with Bailey, but but they they were leftovers written from. Maybe that time. well, maybe a good time to revisit those. But no, yeah. I know both those songs, and the, no, that yeah. it's a good point. But uh, but yeah, well, but that man when I heard uh, like Blood Brothers, like I said, and, and when I mm -hmm. and uh, certainly. Uh, um, 
the uh, wicker man. When I heard that, I was like, "Oh man, here, all right, we're back, we're back, we're back." And, and, <laughs> and, and to to you know, the fans knew they were back. So to make them happy, it sounded they, like they, it. Yeah, yeah. And, and, and they I, went on. I'm I'm that fan you're talking about. You know, so yeah, yeah. 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 You tu- you tuned back in. I I remember kind of like hearing about him again. I'm like, all right, at least they got Dickinson back. Well, uh, but you know, I can't say enough about it. But it. You know, it it felt like Adrian Smith. So, right, you know, right, I'm right. I'm a super fan. But uh, yes, you are. But he, uh, no, he was playing well, and Bruce sounded great, and it sounded like Iron Maiden again. Right now, they would do a hundred date tour, right at the you know when when Brave New World came out, they would play a hundred dates, and it ended up that they ended playing in the Rock and Rio show again in Brazil, yeah. in front of like two hundred fifty thousand people this time. That was January of two thousand and one. Okay, then they would take the next. The next year, they kind of took off, okay? Uh, but they did three consecutive shows in 2001 for uh, drummer Clive Barr, who they announced that he had multiple sclerosis. Well, yeah, he had met, well they, um, yeah. They, they really got behind the guy. And, yeah, and, they did. They would do charity shows for him that year. Well, let me... They would do me, it again let, in 2005 and 2000. Let me just revisit earlier in the conversation... Yeah. They're a family band, man. They take, yes. they fucking take care of each other. Pardon my, pardon my French, pardon my French. But yeah. Uh, yeah, so you got, and that's what I like about that. And uh, well, I love it too. But please continue. So. Now, in two thousand and three, they would hit the road again for the "Give Me Ed Till I'm Dead" tour. And in the summer, before releasing the new studio album called "Dance of Death." Uh, they did that tour, but the album was recorded again with Kevin Shirley at the helm, and it was recorded at Sarm West Studios in London. The album features their first ever acoustic song called Journeyman, uh, as well as New Frontier, which is a track that was written by Nico McBrain. All right. Really? And, and, and yeah, well, wait, Nick, wait a Nico McBrain wrote These are that both song. on Dance of Death. Yes. I think it was Passchendaele on that record. So. It's a good okay. So. Okay, anyway, yeah, uh, but yeah, a D- little bit of a different kind of record, but it resonated with fans. Uh, it was, uh, wait, da- yeah, it was like it didn't have Eddie on it, right? It, what was it? It was like a weird kind of graphic kind of thing, it didn't have the regular Iron Maiden graphics or something. Now, in 2003, they would hit the road again for the Give Me Ed Till I'm Dead tour. That was, uh, in the summer of that year. And that was at the time when they were releasing the album Dance of Death. Now this, yeah, yeah, this album was recorded with Kevin Shirley again. Okay. And it was recorded at the Psalm West studios in London. The album would feature their first ever acoustic song called Journeyman. And also a track written by Nicole McBrain called New Frontier. Now it's an interesting track because it would be about, uh, it's basically a song against cloning. That's a that's a curious subject, and yeah. and it's interesting because I mean Nico, he's a drummer, you know, and drummer for being songwriters. No, so, and, and, um, and, and what what I found interesting too is Nico McBrain uh, wrote, you know, felt compelled to write this song because he's actually a born again Christian. And oh, is he? he? Yes, he is, and he okay. felt that. You know, you know, we're getting too close to trying to fuck around and make a, a human a human clone. 
So he wrote okay. this. He wrote this song against it. So I thought that was interesting. So very few people know we have a born again no, Christian in our no. <laughs> well, it, I, you know what? I have nothing against Christianity. Yeah. but that is that is interesting. I didn't know that about yeah. him. Yeah, yeah. And there was another track called Montsegur. Okay, and it's about the fall of the Cathar, which is was a place it, during the Crusades. The Crusades was it was a stronghold in Europe, I think in France, and uh, Cathar was a place where uh, it was a stronghold castle type thing, and and it's about the uh, the fall of that look. Uh, there was also a track called um, the uh, Passchendaele. Okay, which is the Battle of Passchendaele, another historical reference that that Dickinson wrote about. Uh, the Battle of Passchendaele was in World War One. Yeah. All right. Uh, Dickinson wrote the lyrics. Adrian Smith wrote the the music of that song, I believe. Uh, another song called "Face in the Sand," Sean, and it was about the Iraqi War. Uh, during the following tour for Dance of Death, uh, the band's performance in the Dorton, Germany was recorded. Uh, it was released in 2005 in August of that year as a live album and a DVD entitled Death on the Road. Uh, 2005, the band, um, they also uh, did an upcoming, uh, it was an upcoming tour where they had Eddie Rip Up the World. That was, that was the, the title of it, Eddie Rips Up the World Tour. Um, they released a DVD that year also called The History of Iron Maiden, Part 1. The early, the early year, days. Yes. <laughs> right. And only fe- now, The History of Iron Maiden, Part 1 and 2, The Early Days, only featured material from the first four albums. Uh, the number of the Beast, interestingly, would be re-released that year. And the single would actually get to number three in the UK. And that was like 20 years after it first came wow. out. Um, yeah, the tour brought them to America at that point where they co-headlined for the OzFest. Okay, and also there was a tour with Black Sabbath as well. The final show, okay, this is this is crazy. The final show of that tour, when they went on stage, they were sabotaged by Ozzy's family. Okay, Sharon was upset that Dickinson had kind of talked down. The reality show that oh, they were on, the Oscars. Oh my god! Oh, I remember okay. that. I can't. I, yeah, I can't imagine. He, he basically he he. he didn't, I don't think he really picked on Ozzy in general. He just said like, I don't watch reality shows. Yeah, but that that you adds know? up. I can't imagine they got along. <laughs> well, yeah. I mean, too many egos, yeah. I guess. Yeah. But but uh, what happened was, um, Sharon was causing like she she caused people. To put interference on their mics, okay, feedback. Oh no, sabotage. Right, right, and also she delayed the entrance of Eddie on stage. He was supposed to come out at some important point in the show, and he didn't come out, and it was because she held it back. That is, that's pretty. Also, the worst of it is that she was encouraging fans to throw bombs. Oh no, that's not cool at all. No, that's nah. not cool at all. I don't like that woman. Never liked that woman. Uh, I, I, uh, Michael, I got to tell you, I'm not crazy about her. <laughs> you know, and, and, but, you know, she comes from the Arden yeah. family. And, and, and her father her father ripped off, the, you know, a lot of bands, ripped off the, the small faces. He ripped off. We talked about this yeah. last yeah. week, right? Yeah. Remember? 
you know. So oh it's, man, well, but you know the, what? Paul for the course. yeah, but you know what? That's her problem, man. Don't make it my problem. Uh, well, it's Ozzy's problem. He's oh, well, oh, yeah. but uh, <laughs> yeah. Now, at the end of 2005, uh, Iron Maiden began work on a matter of life and death. That would be their 14th studio album. It was released on August of 2006. Yeah. And it recorded again at the Psalm West Studios. Now, Kevin Shirley, uh, he would produce for them all, all their upcoming releases as well. He was becoming like, you know, another Martin Birch. Well, but, but um, Warren, Shirley did Life and Death because I was yeah. asking, I was asking yeah. a couple of friends of mine the other day, and they said, Sean, you got to listen to Life and Death. It's a good Maiden record. It, it, it's like a real, yeah. real Iron Maiden record. And, uh, yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I, it was because they went back to the themes that they always went to, like war and religion. Okay. Yeah. Uh, they were writing about that. No, I'm, it, the, the interesting thing about that record, Sean, is that they actually didn't master it. They didn't master it. It's like recorded live, <clears throat> excuse me, live in the studio. Okay. Okay, exactly the way. So it's almost like a live in the studio. So they recording. just banged it, it out. Would make yeah. it. They just banged it out like a lot of first takes and That's stuff like that. And yeah, it would get to number four in the UK and it would hit number nine in the USA. It was their biggest hit in America. That's crazy. Uh, number nine. Yeah. Well, yeah. I'm in. Uh, I'm number curious nine. about the Shirley character. So I'm glad you brought him up um, because. Yeah. Know. Now, what I wonder, you know, we're getting into these like charts here where we're seeing like they're doing well in, in right. America. I'm wondering if it's because I don't know if it was at that point or a later point, but they also they, they changed Billboard changed the way things are done now. They include downloads. Uh well that okay. could that could bring your numbers up. Yeah, yeah, I would think. Okay, and I think that that's why you're seeing this like resurgence. Not to take anything away from me, but I'm yeah. just saying it's a little bit different way of doing the charts. So uh different world written by Smith and Harris and the reincarnation of Benjamin Breen. That's how that album I listened written. to that last night and I, I didn't even yeah. know about this song. And those two were the singles off that album. Okay. It's, and it written by it's Murray and Harris. Uh, well Murray and Harris classic combo. But man, yeah. no that that Benjamin it, it's really a good song. And uh I'll, it is. I'll give it it's a well, yeah, and I'll give it to Bruce on that because you know Bruce, he's a weirdo, and you know he, I'm sure he takes care of his work. But I thought it was a hell of a song. Yeah, yeah. it is. Yeah. It is. Um, they toured this album as they always do. Okay, and the way they did it was they did the album from front to back. Okay, beginning to end, that from first song to the last song. Um, one leg of the tour was actually called "A Matter of the Beast." And it was to celebrate the uh, 25th anniversary of the. Well, you got beast in a matter of life and death. That's a that's a kitschy title. Yeah. Right, right. And they would play Dubai for the first. That's time. crazy. Uh, well, yeah. and what, what did Bruce take Ed Force One to that? Because you know he's a pilot. Uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah. I think this was when they started with that Ed Force One shit. Yeah. Uh, right. Um, they played in front of 30,000 people at Dubai at the Bangalore Palace Grounds. Okay. Uh, they did some festivals in England as well, playing to approximately 80,000 people I mean, at that's time crazy. Some of these well, how, well, how did Huge. Dubai take them? I mean, they must have loved it. But, uh, I mean... I think they did. Uh, you, know, you know who played... Who, well, 
who's playing Dubai on New Year's Eve. I guess they already recorded it as kids. Well, oh. well, you got to be that big, you know. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I think they only let like you. Uh, yeah, you know, it's not. No, I'm sure Jeff Tate from Queensrÿche is crying in his sleep <laughs> <laughs> that he can't yeah, play Dubai. Yeah, I, I, I never. I was never that good. <laughs> oh man. Now, on September 5th, 2007, the band announced their Somewhere Back in Time tour, and it tied in with the DVD release of their Live After Death album. Uh, the set list was mostly songs from okay. the 80s, especially the Power Slave okay. era. They brought back some of the set designs from that. Uh, they charted their own plane, and again, at, at Force One, you mentioned uh-huh. it already. Uh, they would tour worldwide playing their first ever shows in Colombia and Costa Rica. Also did some shows in Australia and Puerto Rico for the first time. They never played now, Australia. Well, you know what? I'm glad you brought it up again. But once they conquered Australia, I mean, they go nuts for them in South America. But yeah. once they conquered... Um, the South American market, yeah. okay, it's, it's very huge interesting. Metal, since the 90s. metal fans down there. Yeah. Metal yeah. and punk, yep. metal and yep. punk, and, and and a lot of bands can make their bones, you know, pay the rent just by. That's going a good down way to put it. Yeah, yeah. You know. Um, okay, so they did the first show in Puerto Rico. Uh, oh, you know what? I'm, I'm I'm wrong. It was actually they played Australia and Puerto Rico for the first time since '92. It wasn't the first time they'd ever played. Okay. My bad. Uh, the tour would then lead to a compilation called Somewhere Back in Time which would take tracks from the first album to 1988. Uh, then the tour would carry on into 2008 and 2009 okay. worldwide. Uh, they would win an award in 2009 really? for best, best British live. Well, you go. And it was vo- right. The, the fa- uh, British fans voted for it themselves. I mean, these guys were just crisscross. Well, uh, well again, and Steve Harris, we, we've been talking about it all night, but I mean, the ambition, but uh, but well, good for them. I mean, I, I mean, you should. Yeah. I mean, if you're handing out awards, you know, <laughs> you know, yeah, definitely, definitely. Uh, no. Now, in two, in 2009, January of that year, the band announced a full length documentary film to be released called Iron Maiden Flight 666. It opened in select theaters that April, and it got released in May and June on DVD and CD. Um, well, and it would top the. I'll, you have it. Well, it would top I'm the well aware of it. Yeah. Point. No, I sat down with yeah, that one yeah. night uh, about a year ago, and uh, it it blew my mind. You know, and uh, yeah. and it, yeah. it really is. It's just a, a testament to their ambition again. But uh, and and it right. was and good again, footage. Think of, think it they've was been around footage. for more than thirty years. Yeah. At that yeah. Point, it, no. 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 It's great footage, and um, yeah. I, you know. Um, God, I, I don't know. Bruce that, sounds good, and uh, hey, he's still got I, the he vocal really chops. He really does. So. Yeah. Now their fifteenth studio album will be called "The Final Frontier," and it was released in August of twenty ten. Okay. This would be the final album put out on EMI. Oh, okay. okay. It would end, yeah, it would end their thirty year relationship with them. Uh, they went back to Compass Point in the Bahamas to record it. It ended up going to number one in twenty eight so countries funny. and reached number four. Well, in the that's US. A, that's a hell of an EMI. They had a long relationship with them, but if you remember, uh, but the Bahamas they recorded "Peace of Mind" there. <laughs> they recorded yeah, a couple. No, well, of I, I guess okay. they, I, it was. It went I back to their roots. The Bahamas. I mean, who doesn't? <laughs> 
Interesting enough, um, Dickinson has said that when they went back, it was the first time in 20 years or something like that, or uh-huh. a little bit longer. They said the studio was exactly oh, the same. Wow. Even even like a window that was broken or something, or like everything was like it was oh, like right, yeah, a like, bathroom. So it was bathroom. The bathroom so was the same. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, something like that. Yeah. <laughs> it yeah, was like the same. It's the shit. same crack in the crack in the floor. We you know, went to thirty years right. ago. <laughs> oh, right, I love right, it. Right. And you know, El Dorado was the song that was the hit okay. off this album. Uh, it got them their first Grammy. Uh, Harris then would get a writing credit on that album on every track. Okay, he pretty much wrote every song on Cold. Okay. Uh, Satellite 15, The Final Frontier, was an Adrian Smith Harris uh-huh. composition. Uh, that's become a fan favorite. Uh, this was rumored to be their last album, but it would not be true because several more videos and compilations would follow in 2015. But then they would come out with their latest 16th studio record. It was called The Book of Souls. A good record. Uh, A good record. Yeah, yeah. Came out in 2015, February, like late late 2015. Well, again, I'm glad you brought this up. But when that came out, I I remember being kind of like, uh, man, I might want to check Maiden out again. Because it's interesting cover, interesting subject matter. and, uh, And the songs were good. So... But also, if you remember, there was a little health scare with Bruce. Oh yeah, well, uh, the poor guy. Yeah. He had a little. Well, he, had he, had a ca- a pop. he had a cancerous tumor he on his. He had a polyp in the back of his throat on his tongue, and yeah. uh, and he yeah. got he got all cleared because I mean he's got you know he's he's got good doctors and good medical care, but uh, I'm glad they caught it early because I mean yeah yeah, and he's a very uh, he's in good I mean. Uh, you know, even though he had the polyp, he, he's he's in good shape physically. Oh God, he's, he's in better shape than all of us. Than me, than uh, me. Oh, yeah, yeah uh, definitely. All yeah. of us put together. <laughs> but, yeah, um, definitely. But that's true. They would begin a Book of Souls world tour in February of 2016, and it brought them to China for the first time. Uh, Book of Souls is a double album. It's their longest album ever. It clocks in at 92 minutes. And it came out on Parlophone Records. Okay, they had jumped to okay. that label. Uh, basically, the, the tracks on that that, that that I like are "Speed of Light," uh, "Empire of the Clouds." Oh yeah, what? Well, yeah, that those two. "Empire of the Clouds." That's one of their longer ones off that record. Yeah, yeah, that, that's a. Yeah, well, the whole album. Well, no, I need to, I need to revisit that. But I, yeah, I didn't know that was yeah, their first. Yeah. That that was their uh, conquest of China. I, I didn't realize that. Yeah, first okay. time they ever went there. Uh, no. Yeah. Uh, again, another another popular record. It got to number well, one in the UK. Well, what kind of reception did they have in China? I'm curious. I mean, did they? Sure, very polite. Uh, well, sure. <laughs> <laughs> All right, no, good answer. Yeah. I don't think they. I don't think they jump up and down. <laughs> no, well, they, generally they don't. But no, no, I'm just. Yeah, yeah they're not like. No, American I'm just fans. curious, but I'm, I can only imagine there's probably some good. There might be some video footage of them from China. I've never I, seen it. I know. I, I just can imagine there's probably some good fans that were like, "This is awesome." You know? Yeah. So. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. Wow. Now in 2018, they would come out with a pinball game. Okay. Uh, it was it was called Iron Maiden Legacy of the Beast. Yeah, and, Legacy. And they, that legacy. Would, 
Right. Now, the Legacy of the Beast World Tour would start in Europe in that year. It ended up with some dates in North and South America. Yeah. Uh, I believe this was, they played the Barclay Center, okay. I believe, last year, the year before, okay. something like that. Um, now, to wrap things up here, November 20th, 2020, they released a live album called Knights of the Dead, Legacy of the Beast Live in Mexico City. And it was recorded uh, a year earlier, September Well, right back to Mexico, man. You know they love them. Yeah. yeah. I mean, the South well, American fans. they go down fans, there to make their money. And God knows, you know they're probably not paying taxes either. So, you, you no, know, sure, you know, yeah, you know Bruce likes that. that. <laughs> yeah, so, Definitely. You could buy more. Of yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, shit, yeah, there's a couple of more white, white shirts. <laughs> I know. Yeah, white get, tunics. Go, revisit the Samson days and get a couple, couple of nice yeah, white shirts. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, so, Rob, that's what yeah, I got. That was, that's, that's the Iron Maiden wow. Well, it's our longest show ever. You, it's probably just as long as an Iron Maiden. Oh Maid my God! I know. Well, thanks. I, I, long-winded is good, man. I, I miss you guys. Happy holidays. You know. Yep. I, I, I look thanks. For- thanks. This show will be up. Uh, I think third week in yeah. January yeah. or so. Yeah. So we're, you know, uh, again, thank you, Sean, oh, absolutely. for coming on. Yeah, you know, okay. gentle, gentlemen, it it was a pleasure. So, all right. Okay. Now, Rob, uh, where can uh, well, you, Rob? Well, you can find me on anything getting lumped up. If you if you see lumped up, it's pretty much associated with me. So you can um, email me uh, at, like, Instagram, Facebook, um, Twitter. Just look at getting lumped up, and you'll find that everywhere. Sean, is there anything you want to add? Like any, you know, anybody want to contact you, curse you out? Um, like no, I, I just, you know what I'm going to say because I'm a good boy. Hi, mom. Okay. You're a, you are I am a mama's, mama's boy. boy. <laughs> so, all right. Okay. Well, if anybody wants to find me, you can look for me on Facebook under my Christian name, Michael Baker. Uh, also, you can find us on the Facebook uh, group page, which is called the Rock Show Podcast group page. Me and Rob are on there putting up songs of the day, all that stuff. Um, also, you can find me on Instagram, RockerMike212. I'm also on Twitter, RockerMike3. Anybody, I'll talk to anybody. No. <laughs> oh, my God. Well, there you have it. No, that's an honest, so, that's an honest answer. Yeah. <laughs> So with so with that guy, remember, don't get drunk. Don't get, get lumped drunk. up. Get yeah, lumped see up. you next week. Let's get lumped up. The only podcast you will hear that will be music to your ears. It's only here on The Rock Show.